There will now be an opportunity for silent prayer or meditation. Thank you, you may be seated. Honorable members, the rules in the house have not changed in terms of the protocols. So ensure that I don't call you out for removing your mask. Let's proceed, continue doing that. The first item on the order paper is a motion in the name of the Chief Whip of the Majority Party. I will now recognize the Chief Whip. Thank you very much and greetings to all the members of this um, August House. Happy International Women's Day. Thank you very much, House Chair. I move that the motion is printed in the name of the Chief Whip with 21 items be adopted by this House. Thank you very much. Okay, just to clarify, these items that you are here are uh, items that were on the other paper and which in terms of Rule 351 lapsed at the end of the last sitting day of 2021 annual session. And uh, the Chief Whip is asking us to revive them. I believe everyone has the other paper. I'm not going to call all the 21 one by one. Are there any objections? No objections agreed to. The second motion on the order paper is also in the name of the Chief Whip of the Majority Party. Thank you very much, House Chair. House Chair, I move that the motion is printed on reports and bills in the name of the um, uh, Chief Whip of the Majority be adopted or agreed uh, upon by this House. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any objections? No objections agreed to. We now move to the next item on the order paper, which is a member statements. I would also wish to request to the members of the executive that are not in the house, if they wish to do so, uh, let them please do. I hope you have your, you have your, what? You got it to see the hands, ne? Thank you. That will help us a lot. Honorable members, does any member of the ANC wish to make a statement? Yes, Honourable Member, proceed. Thank you, Honourable House Chair. The ANC welcomes the progressive step that... Oh, sorry. The ANC welcomes the progressive step that was taken by His Excellency President Cyril Ramaphosa in signing the proclamation to enable the Special Investigating Unit to investigate the alleged acts of corruption graft, 
money laundering and theft in the National Lotteries Commission consistent with the ANC's commitment to combat corruption as part of its renewal ethos. We acknowledge the sterling work of the investigation conducted by the SIU in terms of its draft report inclusive of con concurrent prosecutorial work against those clearly identified in concluded cases. We therefore call upon the disbandment of the National Lotteries Commission Board with immediate effect. We also call for the SIU to be provided with the necessary support to expedite its work without any hindrance so as to meet the April target of successfully submitting its final report of the first phase to the President of the Republic of South Africa for action. Right to the bias. Thank you. The DA. Thank you, uh, Chairperson. For years, the people of Nyanga Township in the city of Cape Town have lived in what has been considered the murder capital of South Africa. Through deliberate interventions of the Western Cape Provincial Government, uh, through its provincial safety plan, and the interventions of the city of Cape Town through its law enforcement advancement plan, Nyanga's crime statistics continue to fall and have been on a downward trajectory for the past four financial years, as reported by Minister Begitzele. While we commend the city of Cape Town and the Western Cape government for making bold steps to keep our communities safe, we also need to congratulate the community policing forums and other community structures which work in lockstep with law enforcement stakeholders. For years, there has been under-resourcing of the South African police service in the province. The Western Cape government and the city of Cape Town could no longer sit back on the basis that policing is a national competency. These governments had to take active steps to keep communities safe. Budget had to be reprioritized and efforts had to be made to augment the work of the under-resourced SAPs. city of Cape Town It's not about egos or political battles, it's about lives. There are times this is one of those issues. We should all be applauding the collaborative efforts of SAPS, the city, the Western Cape province, and the people of Nyanga in, in fighting crime in this area. Thank you. The EFF. Thank you very much, House Chair. For the last few weeks, I have visited the metro of Mangawung several times. I have known dilapidation, but not to the level of Bloemfontein. From the sad countenance of Bramfisher Airport to the many dangerous potholes in every single street, to the barely standing buildings and despondency in people's faces as they walk aimlessly to whatever jobs they are able to sustain themselves with in the CBD. The city of Mangawong is but a rotting cesspool of inactivity and dust. Young men and women from Tabanju Mutapelo find students rush do not stand a chance at surviving drug and alcohol abuse because this government has chosen to line the pockets of a few at the expense of generations of many who will one day inform the trajectory of this country's economic state. When we say we want jobs and land manja, it is not a chant 
but proof that we, the youth, do not have jobs. We have many vacant, dilapidated factories because you have allowed allowed in investment and refused to capitalize on infrastructure already there. But now most of that investment has since been moved to Lesotho. Butabelo and Bloom Industries are a thing of the past. Minister Patel, what is your industrial policy around the manufacturing and in the textile industries? And please do not quote to me about master plans because these master plans, we have not seen them in action. These master plans do not feed our families. Do not tell this house about COVID and its impact because we have felt COVID and its impact for decades now. What is the strategy around rebuilding growing industries such as the textile and manufacturing Thank you. Your time is up. Thank Thank you. ANC, let's remind each other, it's a one minute and 30 seconds for statements. ANC. Thank you, thank you, uh, House Chair. The ANC encouraged by the stepping up and intensification of compulsory lifestyle audit for government officials to ensure employees' lifestyle are in line with their declared income. We believe that the importance of conducting lifestyle audits is a positive step towards the realization of a capable, ethical and developmental state, and more importantly, fighting corruption. Instances of public servants unduly benefiting from the state's resources and procurement opportunities have increased and the lifestyle audits will help to to strengthen the already existing financial disclosure frameworks. As from February 2022, intensifying lifestyle audits and its effective implementation can serve as meaningful deterrent uh, for people who find themselves under observation and who may be asked to explain the origins of their wealth. They are also useful in that they identify assets and goods, allowing authorities to freeze or or sequester them while a full investigation is conducted, which increases the possibility of stolen assets being recovered. I thank you, Chair. Thank you. The IFP. Honorable Speaker. South Africa has a complex relationship with alcohol cannot be separated from the social, political, economical circumstances the country face. When the COVID-19 pandemic hit the country two years ago, it was it brought with it mental health complications that nobody anticipated. With many people losing their jobs and many home situations being altered, it tragically represented new opportunity, opportunities for alcohol and depression the present to run rapidly. School children were no longer attending schools in person, and that, can, and that came with its own complications. More youth were faced with anxiety and depression, which still persist. The impact of mental health due to the, due to the sudden change is still being felt, particularly by children and teenagers of school-going age. The World Health Organization ranks South Africa as having the fifth highest alcohol consumption by popularity. Compared to this rest of the world just before the pandemic, one can only imagine what that looked like now. With the report that in some schools and areas, people did not even come back to school, and those that did, did have developed new or worse drug and alcohol habit. 
as IFP, we call on government to give this very serious matter the attention and agency it deserves, and it finds solution to this ongoing issue. I thank you. Thank you. The ACGP. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. The World Council for Health, a coalition of scientists, doctors, lawyers, civil society advocacy organizations, and the ACDP, opposes the World Health Organization's move to implement a power grab in the form of a global pandemic agreement while the world's attention is diverted by the Russia and Ukraine crisis. We believe that the proposed World Health Organization's global pandemic agreement is unnecessary and is a threat to sovereignty of nations and the citizens' inalienable rights. It increases the WHO's suffocating power to declare unjustified pandemics, impose dehumanizing lockdowns, and enforce expensive, unsafe, and ineffective treatments against the will of the people. The World Council for Health believes that people have the right to participate in any agreement that affects their lives, livelihoods, and well-being. We are concerned as the ACDP that the World Health Organization has not engaged in any process of public participation. The ACDP believes that without an unbiased democratic process, the global pandemic agreement driven by the World Health Organization will be illegitimate and invalid. The ACDP therefore insists that this parliament must debate this matter and there must also be a public participation process so that members of the public can make informed decisions about their future and that of their Thank families you. and future Your generations. Your time is up, Honorable uh, Misha. Thank you. Thank you. FF Plus. Thank you, House Chair. The country is experiencing a massive backlog in the supply of affordable housing to lower income groups and our approach and design of such housing developments are contributing to the problem. We should therefore reconsider South Africa's approach of delivering low-density single-story houses that require large investments in water, electrical and civil infrastructure and rather opt for higher-density multi-story developments which require substantially less investment in this regard and result in much lower unit costs and also lower servicing costs. This will enable the country to supply more accommodation to our local communities within the available budgets and have added cost benefits for those communities due to being more accessible to main transport routes and shorter distances between housing developments and schools, clinics and other amenities. We owe it to the lower income communities of South Africa to provide them with sound and cost-effective housing that not only satisfy their accommodation needs, but also contribute to their general living standards. Thank you, Vice Chair. Thank you. The ANC? Thank you, House Thank you, House Chair. The Honorable Nkosi, you will come after. Proceed, ma'am. The ANC welcomes the ruling by the Johannesburg High Court on, the, on, on Friday, the 4th March, 2022, that the South African anti-apartheid activist and trade unionist, Dr. Neil Aget, did not commit suicide. According to the ruling, the, the anti-apartheid activist was killed by the apartheid security branch police, who severely tortured him for days before he was found hanging in his cell at, Johannes, at John Foster police station. 
more than 40 years ago, Judge Mutsamai Makume has now called for the security branch members still alive to be held to account. Dr. Agrit was the first white person to die in police custody and was hailed for his medical work in black communities and his interest in trade unionists, union, unions. Dr. Aget is one of many anti-apartheid activists who died in detention at the hands of the police and whose death was declared a suicide amid a cover-up by apartheid police who enjoyed the backing of the courts, which rubber-stamped the death. While it was said that he had hanged himself by climbing up the crib in his cell, only one fingerprint was found to belong to a grid on the bars of the grill after tests in 2019. Then Justice and Correctional Service Minister, Services Minister Michael Masuta authorized the reopening of the inquest. I thank you. Thank you. Good. Anyone from Good on the platform? Yes, uh, Charles Chairperson, sorry. Okay, uh, proceed. Thank you very much, House, House Chair. Uh, Chair, just war theory proposes that although war is terrible, it can sometimes be justified. In order to claim that a war is just, three sets of criteria apply. The morality of the war, the moral conduct within the war, and the morality of the post-war settlement and reconstruction. Russia's invasion of Ukraine is not a just war. It is a breach of international law, just as Israel breaches international law in its war against Palestine. There's no moral justification for the war. It is justified on the basis of geopolitics, economics, and ideology. South Africa's inability to condemn Russia's actions is likewise not based on mor morality. South Africa should have both the moral fiber and intellectual dexterity. More than one thing can be true at the same time. We can condemn the Russian invasion while also acknowledging the role that the West played in fueling the crisis, while also demanding meaningful mediation. If Russia was prosecuting a just war, we could debate where we stand. But in the present circumstances, we should stand unequivocally that the situation demands negotiation and compromise. But equally, it demands that Russia withdraws her troops. We stand with the people of Ukraine as we do with the people of Palestine. South Africa should go once again, as it has done in the past, and actively facilitate processes for peace. Thank you, House Chair. Thank you. The ANC. Thank you very Thank much, Chair. Chair. Uh, Honorable Kola, come after Honorable Nkosi. Honorable Nkosi, it's your opportunity now. Thank you, Officer. The ANC welcomes the establishment of the Malumu Chilas Nerere Leadership School, inaugurated on the Wednesday, the 23rd. Honorable Nkosi, sorry. Are you having your, your earphones on? Yes. If you have, please remove them because we can, can hardly hear what you're saying. Proceed. Honorable Nkosi. Okay, in the meantime, please check where you are. We will give you an opportunity. Check where you are and try to find uh, what is wrong with the gadget. Can we now allow Honorable Ngola? Thank you very much, Mr. Chair. The ANC condemns any form of discrimination and none more so. 
during a time of war and a strife. We are extremely worried by the reports emanating from the UK, Ukraine border of mistreatment and discrimination, not only of African nationals trying to free U Ukraine, but also citizens from India and the Middle East. Many of these nationals, mostly students, have been refused the right to cross the border to safety and have accused Ukraine security forces of racially profiling them and of stopping them from getting on trains. Through social media, videos have been circulating showing officials threatening African students and chasing group of people. Many of them were shown wandering around an empty railway station after being refused entry to board the trains transporting Ukrainian citizens. One would go further to analyze the double standards in the media coverage of the crisis in Ukraine in comparison to devastating in other regions, such as Africa and the Middle East. The remarks by some journalists referring to Ukraine as a relatively civil city, which is not a place like Iraq or Afghanistan, only serves to heighten the racist narrative. As the ANC, we call for an end to this kind of discrimination, an end to this violence and bloodshed, and for peace to prevail. Thank you very much, Mr. Chair. Thank you. The GA? Thank you, House Chair. The Msunduzi local municipality in KwaZulu-Natal is facing a crippling crisis in the provision of water and electricity to not only its residents, but to business. Some areas, such as Mafakatini, have had no access to water for the last nine years. This is in fundamental violation of their basic human rights. Electricity and water outages are being experienced from hours to sometimes days, and often water and electricity are experienced at a loss at the same time. Over Christmas in 2021, residents of Msunduzi sat without electricity for nine days and all their food spoiled. To date, they have not received one ounce of compensation. The situation has become untenable, and we fear for the collapse of the entire city. Msunduzi is presently under administration for the second time, and yet still, this has not seen any improvements in service delivery. Urgent interventions are needed to save this capital city of KwaZulu-Natal, Minister Nkosana Tlamini-Zuma. Thank you. The EFF. Yeah, Papa. Gibonga chair. Um member statement. Jenny EFF and Gizoralis Okud Uksubu Mesek and Gangela Abantu Bagiti Abatumeza and Aunga Pans with human settlement. A what fifty four? Mparatua corn among us who pegs into the corn pega my toilet, Gaga Ubangut in the band to baggy tilab. Tanjalo Nasawat a one o one. Besson pinned and gizoti, Kuminist, our human settlement. Unanto Enkulu Ayanzegala, Lapana a case at an Umkumosha of Figayo, Unentanga Nama Muslim. Ekangene na ba made 
Danja no footing, I said, what fifty two, a phoenix, a unit twelve, a unit two, twenty. Now, I'm going same king. Lem de Nankulumangayo, Lababoka, Labaga Abalapa, M. Chapin and Nanda, Bafe by Tenga, Umsaba, Abazal Babango, nineteen fifteen in Agazal. Lana a phoenix, Bana, eighteen years, Basha Lagotua, Segutua Manje, Abapumenda, when Sakzovulama business, Umagangan and Jungla Lev. What forty forty five got Elga Marshall? Thank you very much, Mam Kaula. No, Mam Kaula, you have a very good story. Ungai Nigel, our minister, and Jango Shogu to Petanese. Minister Wak. Sogneta, Mama, is catch a statement. I Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please talk outside and assist Mam Kaula. You have got information that we need. Thank you, Mam. Thank you. We proceed. ANC. ANC. Do we have Mr. Nkosi ready now? Proceed. Yes. Thank you Thank so you. much, Chair. Yes, uh, Mr. Nkosi. The ANC welcomes the establishment of the Mwalumi Julius Nyerere Leadership School, inaugurated on Wednesday, the 23rd February 2022, at Kihabaha in the coastal region of Tanzania. This campus will serve political parties in the region and be a platform for China to exchange with them as a form of party to party diplomacy. It will train members from pro-independence parties in South Africa, Mozambique, Angola, Namibia, and Zimbabwe, as well as Tanzania. This project comes as a significant milestone in the Sidek region in honor and remembrance of Malimu, who is known for sharing the value of integrity commitment in leadership. For a long time, the six progressive parties in Southern Africa have united and led their people in the course of national independence constructions and development, winning the support of the people. These are the ANC of South Africa, Frelimo of Mozambique, MPLA of Angola, Swap of Namibia, and ZANU PF of Zimbabwe. The campus will provide an important platform for these party sisters to improve their governing capacity and will play an active role in promoting the development and revitalization of their respective countries. Thank you. Thank you. Cope? Anyone from Cope? None. The ANC? Ms. Shabalala? There was a voice in the name of Ms. Shabalala on the screen. Thank you. Okay. May I proceed in the absence? No, they are, they are doing it inside the house. Yes, for proceed. Thank you very much, Chair. I'm taking it on behalf of Ndadinola. In his State of the Nation Address 2022, His Excellency President Cyril Ramaphosa made a clarion call for the intensification of fight against gender-based violence and femicide. The five life sentences served on the convicted serial killer, Tamizam Doa, is fundamental in the fight against gender-based violence and femicide. Ndawa was recently sentenced by the acting judge, Dennis Kutia, at the Mbombela High Court for premeditated murder and 
for defeating the ends of justice. He pleaded guilty for the murder of five women found in his yard in Tembu Trust outside Wazy View. The five life sentences are a landmark victory in the fight against gender-based violence and femicide. This is a strong signal that such a crime has no place in the society. Criminals like Mdawe do not deserve to stay in our societies, hence they need to be removed permanently. Mdawe committed the heinous crimes between 2018 and 2019. We commend the police for his arrest and the successful prosecution. The effectiveness of the justice system is key in fighting gender-based violence scourge. Thank you very much, House Chair. Thank you. Please arrange your speaking order because Uba Wungola was on the screen. It's as if I'm discriminating for those on virtual. Uh, please. Uh, the DA. The DA. Thank you. Thank you, um, Madam Chair. Um, rehabilitated and exposed asbestos quarries pose potential serious health hazards for residents of Mulder's Drift in the Mughali City local municipality. The Department of Mineral Resources and Energy, through Mintech, has purportedly conducted an investigation to determine the nature and scope of the asbestos problem and recommend mitigation actions to be undertaken should there be such a need. Now, the information forthcoming from the department, unfortunately, seems to be lacking. Residents in the area are uncertain and anxious, not only because of potential health risks unrehabilitated asbestos mines pose, but also due to the effect that it may have on property value, viability of planned developments and possible disruptions in their daily lives as a result of rehabilitation that might or might not happen in future. One would have thought that the extreme levels of frustration and anxiety being experienced by the residents would be something that Minister Mantashe could anticipate and as such prioritize the conclusion of the investigation and provide feedback to the community. The fact that a large primary school is situated in the immediate proximity of one of these derelict, unrehabilitated asbestos quarries, should definitely have worried Minister Mantashe enough to take immediate action. So on behalf of the residents of uh, Mulder's Drift, I pose the question, what is going Thank on, you. Minister Mantashe? Thank you. Thank you. As we call on the last member of the ANC, I can now call on the members of the executive to start raising their hands on the platform. The ANC? ANC believes that uh, the recent renovations of three schools in Amaskral will ensure that teaching and learning in a conducive and productive environment will only serve to further the advance and advance the work of educators and learners. Ramibili Secondary, as well as Mato and Rapileo Primary School received fresh wall plastering, coats of paint, office furniture, in addition to laptops to aid their teaching, learning, and, 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 and enhance their skills. The renovations were sponsored by Ultron Nexus, together with the Gauteng Department of Finance and e-government, working closely with the Gauteng Department of Education. Staff rooms were given white, large bedrooms type tables that will provide all teachers with a conducive working station. And Ramabili Secondary was also given smart boards connected to the internet. 
They were renovated to provide a teaching and learning environment worthy of the community. And ICT equipment to introduce learners to computers while they are still in primary school. It is also encouraging to note that the renovations will not stop with these schools, but that other schools in the areas in need of improvement will be identified and receive much needed assistance. Thank you, House Chair. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, that concludes the member statements. Are there any mysterious responses? Minister Kele? Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair. Chair, I'm really worried about member of TA. What has improved the situation at Inyanga is that in Western Cape, the South African police deployed 200 police every month for the last year to work around that station. Secondly, the station, new station of Harare has been built uh, to assist that station uh, to take the pressure out of it. The deployment has been increased. We've got 86 vehicles there and 339 uh, police in that, in that station. Uh, the, the Western Cape has received most numbers of training. Some of those members have gone back uh, to, that, to that station. Uh, the, the new station commander, Brigadier Nata, uh, whom the community has asked the question where he has been because he's one of the best there. Those are the things, by the way, that have reduced crime there. Uh, we are prepared to work with the Western Cape government together with the local government so long they work within the law. That's a thing we have said time and again. Hence, we have met the premier and the mayor to say let's work within the law. Lastly, I'll request the member that has raised the question that they should put in the ledge their male, member, their male members and their leaders not to abuse the women in that particular area so that we can reduce the, the gender-based violence. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you. Uh, Minister Pando. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Uh, I wish to respond to the statement by the Honorable Reverend Meshwe uh, on the proposed uh, global treaty on pandemic preparedness. And I'm sure the Honorable Meshwe that should uh, such a document be agreed by member states, we would certainly have to bring it, as we do with all international instruments, uh, to Parliament for deliberation and uh, consideration uh, by our Parliament. So uh, the Honourable Mishwe should not worry that something will be adopted which would not be considered by uh, our elected uh, representatives. With respect to the statement by Mr. Nkosi, we certainly joined the ANC in welcoming the Mwalimu Julius Nyerere School of Leadership. We are very pleased that this school will serve as the building of uh, leaders for the future of uh, political leadership of the African continent, but also ensure that the six liberation movements which include Chamachama Wapinduzi of Tanzania, will continue to play a role in the reconstruction and development of the African continent. So we certainly welcome uh, this development. We agree as well with Mr. Ngola. We have been 
uh, really pursuing efforts to ensure that we get uh, South Africans back home uh, from the Ukraine. Uh, we have been assisted uh, by the ambassador of South Africa, Ambassador Grunefeld, uh, in uh, the Ukraine, as well as by our ambassador in Moscow. So uh, we have a number of young people already back in South Africa. Uh, there are some that are stuck in between the border uh, of Ukraine and Russia, and we are currently in discussion with the Foreign Affairs Department of Russia to ensure that our students are granted safe passage so that we might return them back home to South Africa. I thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Minister. The Honorable Minister Patel. Thank you very much, uh, House Chair. I welcome the statement by Honorable Hermans on the National Lotteries Commission, in particular that the statement recalls the decision by President Ramaphosa to authorize the investigation by the Special Investigations Unit into the affairs of the NLC. The findings of the, SI of the SIU confirm that the board of the NLC has failed to ensure proper administration and good governance particularly in respect of proactive funding of beneficiary organizations. I've requested my legal team to initiate the process of terminating the membership of the existing board members whose term of office expire on 31 March, 2022. The SIU investigation follows a range of interventions by the executive, including requiring the NLC to publish the names of beneficiaries in the annual report after they initially refused to do so instituting an independent forensic investigation into the grant funding by the NLC and successfully defending the decision by the NLC to challenge the decision uh, on a forensic investigation in court and instituting disciplinary actions against an NLC board member based on the findings of a preliminary SIU report and taking a range of other actions to ensure that public trust is restored to the NLC. The board of the NLC, as a judge of the Gauteng High Court recently noted, is an institution that refuses to account for its actions. I will be briefing the Portfolio Committee on the actions taken by the executive to address the matters raised by the SIU as soon as its final report is available. In response to Honorable Yako, the department has regularly briefed the Portfolio Committee on the matter of industrial policy, focused on sectoral implementation. I address the PC, on 27 October last year, and these presentations have outlined the progress. The executive will welcome the opportunity to do a further briefing to the portfolio committee, uh, specifically on the clothing, textile, footwear, and leather industry. I thank you. Thank you. Honorable Minister, we call now on the Honorable Dijiza, Dijiza, Minister Dijiza. Yeah, Sihlalo wendlu yeso yamthetho ngingasho nje ukuthi ngizophawula kabili kuzincomo ezibekwe ngamalunga alandelayo uma ngaqala nje kumama udibulelo ngaloko akushilo ngesigwebe esithathwe yinkantolo enkulu yamajaji Mailana nalowo obechaphaza abosifazane esithi siyabonga futhi siyathemba ukuthi imithetho njengoba lendlu yeso yamthetho iya ngokuyicubungula iphinde iyiphasise Yenza gona lokhu ukuthi isize labo bobulungiswa 
amajaji ukuthi awazi ukhiphe igwebo ezizo nazona kodwa nje basazike ukuthi ikhona futhi emnyimthetho ephinde yasayinwa ngumongameli ezosisiza nabo kuloludaba kanti ke futhi siyazi ukuthi ukuhlukunyezwa kwesifazane ngumshikashika wethu sonke hayiphela uhulumeni kanye namalunga endlela somshamthetho kubalekile ukuthi sikhubeke nomsebenzi wokugqugquzela impakathi ukuthi ilwe naloludaba ngoba luyihlazo futhi luyichilo emphakathini yakithi okwesibili udaba oluphakanyiswe ngumama ukhawula mama ukhawula ngikuzwila ubalula indaba yongadulise kikahle ngezinye zezinto eziphathelene nomnyango wezezindlu kanti ke ngingasho ukuthi ziyachaphazela kancane futhi mayelana nomnyango ophethe wezomhlaba sizolubheka loludaba mama olushilo mayelana nokususwa kwabantu ikakhulukazi kulezindawo zibalile njengase Phoenix kanye nangasenanda ngiyothanda ukuthi umamkhawula asilekelele ngokusinikeza izincomo zakhe njoba ebezisho ngezinto ezithinta imindeni ethize hayi nje ukuthi asabalalise kuyosisiza ke lokho ukuthi silandelele ukuthi singalekelela kanjani ngiyabonga sihlalo ohloniphekileyo siyabonga uyasimayela umamkhawula la endlini siyabonga eh honorable deputy minister jeffrey uh, thanks house chair um i just wanted to respond on two two of the statements uh, the first was to welcome the statement uh, from the ANC on uh, the Neil Agat inquest. It's good that uh, justice has finally prevailed in the sense of the truth coming out, um, although obviously people still haven't been held to account for what they did. Um, it's, I think, important, particularly important at this stage where many of the younger people have forgotten or are not aware of what it was like, uh, what the apartheid regime was like. Um, when people were detained without trial, it wasn't in terms of the Criminal Procedure Act where they could be brought or had to be brought to court within 48 hours. It was literally they were locked up and didn't see anyone. Neil Agate was the 51st um, detainee uh, person in detention to, to die in detention. And part of the group that was detained with him were other members of this house, former members, Barbara Hogan, the former minister, Sanjikalana, and then also um, to particularly refer to uh, the director, deputy director general in the treasury, Ismail Mamoniat, who was also tortured in that in that period. Uh, somebody who has been aligned by some of the uh, the members of of this house uh, on previous occasions. Uh, so I, I think it is very important that we remember uh, what what happened. And I also hope that this House will ratify the Convention on the Suppression of the um, Punishment and Crime of Apartheid, uh, which is before this House. Then just on the issue of, of the femicide, um, the five, year sen- five life sentences to Tabiso Mdawe, um, I think it shows that the law does work. Uh, the problem is that in spite of that, men carry on abusing and killing women. And it's something we all need to to address. Uh, It's not aliens from another planet uh, that are abusing women or killing women. It's our own fathers, brothers, uh, sons, uh, and and so on. And we as a country as a whole need to work harder to address it and to stop men abusing and killing women. Thank you. I thank you, Honorable Deputy Minister. Honorable members, I don't have hands. 
unless somebody can raise the hand from the executive, we still have a slot. But I think mo more questions have been, I mean, more statements have been responded to, but I will allow you, Mr. Jeffries, to proceed. Thanks. No, it, it, it was actually, it's not a one within my portfolio, but just the Honourable Member from the Freedom Front Plus who spoke about the need for housing and to maybe point out that in the 1980s, uh, the National Party government, of which I assume he was uh, still a part of uh, before the Conservative Party left, they demolished more houses annually than they built. Thank you. Thank you very much. And that, honorable members, concludes ministerial responses. Thank you to the executive that uh, have responded. Uh, we now allow the secretary to read the first order of the day. Consideration of report of Portfolio Committee on Basic Education on Oversight Visit to Northwest and Free State Provincial Education Departments. Thank you. There is a chair here for those on my right. There's a chair there if you're coming to the podium. No, I'm not saying you should move. I'm just trying to help even those that are coming. And there's another chair here from those on my left. So if you know you are the next speaker, please occupy those seats they are for you. Uh, the Honorable uh, Chairperson of the Portfolio Committee on Basic Education, Honorable Bingo Kikaba, take the platform. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you, Chair. Apologies for sitting on the wrong chair. Uh, Chairperson, uh, members of the Executive Council, uh, Chief Report of the Majority Party. Chair, um, we are presenting the consideration of the Portfolio Committee on Basic Education Report on the oversight that we have conducted in Ngakamudiri um, District and uh, Dr. Kenneth Kaunda in the Northwest as well as Lichweli Putwa and Mangaung district in the Free State province. Let us first um, say that we are prior to this deliberation on the report, allow us to remark here that today is the 8th of March and it is dedicated to the UN Women as International Women's Day. We therefore wish to take this opportunity first and foremost to add our voice to salute women at local, national, and international level in our struggle and achievement for gender equality for a sustainable tomorrow. It is my wish that justice be served to perpetrators of gender-based violence as we celebrate this International Women's Day. Um, the objective of the oversight in, in these two provinces, um, it forms part of our, our, our first term parliament program uh, this year. And in support of parliament oversight role, the objective of the oversight were primarily focused on the state of the school readiness for 2022 by focusing on the following amongst others, the COVID-19 protocols, the state of the admission and registration of learners, 
the functionality of farm and technical secondary schools and the state of the school infrastructure and the early childhood development um, in, the, in the schools. There are, there are challenges and of course there are, there, are, there, are, there are successes. But allow me to recommend in the Northwest, we have said that the learner transport needs to be addressed with the relevant stakeholders. All unplaced learners be placed as of the 1st of February. The renovations and maintenance of infrastructure as required to be, complete, be completed with immediate effect that the department must address the identified challenges that impact on effective teaching and learning and strive to address them promptly at the appropriate level. The recommendations that we have done in the free state, apart from the fact that the, the free state is a pocket of excellence in, in, in schools, we have noted that there is a need to investigate the root causes for learner dropouts as the intervention program are in place. The teenage pregnancy percentage for free state province is fairly high as members were recommended that such learners be assisted to return to school after delivery. Some of the schools visited with infrastructure challenges were not on the priority list for assistance and support. And we queried whether these schools could be considered for conclusions of the priority list. The department ensured that the needed schools were prioritized for, for refurbishment, maintenance and renovations. Technical schools and agricultural technology schools will be supplied with materials with materials and updated machinery as required. In conclusion, Chair, we are saying that the oversight visit to the Northwest and Free State provinces provided the committee with an opportunity to strengthen oversight in order to hold the government ac accountable on issues related to the state of schooling. We robbed our oversight visits by engaging the circuit managers, the district managers, the provincial education department officials, and the DBE department that they should try to assist the schools with necessary resources and support. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I will now recognize the chief whip of the majority party since there is no list of speakers. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I will uh, now recognize those parties that wish to make a declaration. The GA. Chairperson, uh, as legislators and elected servants of the people of South Africa, it's important that we must go beyond enjoying our air-conditioned boardrooms and sitting in the comfort of our desktops on Zoom while listening to carefully crafted presentations on the state of our basic education system. It is our duty to see the reality for ourselves on the ground. Oversights are an effective way to hold the executive and department's implementation plans into account. It is to ensure that local issues are being addressed. The aim is to ensure that the best quality education, one that is conducive to teaching and learning, is provided. Taxpayers' money needs to be put to good use so that we can create an education system that provides opportunity for learners to get out of poverty and unemployment. What we saw on the ground in Northwest and Free State is unsurprisingly different from the beautiful pictures that is often painted in our meetings. 
I am un, I'm unsure as to why our system is idealized when it carries so many flaws that we have a responsibility of fixing as legislators. The Northwest Department is currently under administration of the National Department of Education. It has failed to manage the department to provide quality education to learners, and we have also seen it being embroiled in the latest VBS scandal. We visited over 13 schools in the province, and we identified some chronic issues. Firstly, we saw poor infrastructure facilities. Poor sanitation continues to be a nightmare for the department. In Bojanala district alone, there were 21 schools with inadequate facilities, sanitation facilities, including traditional pit toilets. In Boitsenape Technical Secondary School, we came across old and dilapidated buildings with their ceilings collapsing. What was concerning is that the workshops, uh, machinery and equipment was, being was not being serviced or maintained. On Khopot and comprehensive school learners had to write exams without electricity. What is even more concerning is that in, in Kalafeng special school workshops did not comply with the Health and Safety Act. Second, there were many space challenges leading to overcrowding. Ritlamejo special school was a sad site for learners with disabilities, studying in overcrowded classrooms. Classes have not been built according to the department's norms and standards, with two shanties being used as classrooms. Due to lack of infrastructure, learners with different conditions were grouped in one class. For example, learners with autism, attention deficit hypertension disorder, uh, do not get special care, but rather are grouped together. Thirdly, the teacher vacancies and high learner dropouts cannot be ignored. Northwest Education Department has 89 post-level one vacancies. Teacher vacancies contribute to high teacher-learner ratios, increasing overcrowding in schools and ultimately hindering the quality of education being provided. In Northwest Secondary School for the Deaf, there is a shortage of interpreters. Currently, there are only three in that school. What only exacerbates the above-mentioned problems is the poor leadership and management we are seeing. Mahwe Primary, uh, Primary School's SGB spent 33,000 rand to cut down an already fallen tree with the aid of the circuit manager instead of fixing the, the roof of all the classrooms that were blown away. They decided to spend this money on just a tree, which boggles the mind. A combination of all of the above issues have undoubtedly contributed to the 40% dropout rate in the Northwest Education Department. As you've seen in Totsagani Technical School, more than 60% of learners drop out between grade 11 and matric, and there's currently no mitigation strategies to track, trace, and retain these learners. However, in the Free State Department, we saw a completely different contrast to what we witnessed in Northwest. We visited schools that were well-maintained, with strong leadership, quality teaching, well-maintained infrastructure in workshops, well-supported us in schools, and a responsive department in many fronts. This is a province with pockets of excellence. Despite this though, we did however identify a variety of challenges linked to the teacher vacancy rate where there's over 121 uh, post-level one teacher vacancies. There are challenges regarding infrastructure. However, the biggest challenge for the Department of Education in the Free State has to be the dropout rate. The Free State has the top metric pass rate when the minister announced. However, of the 56,000 learners who were supposed to sit for metric exams in 2021, only 25,000 of them sat for exams. 
Therefore, as the DA, we have submitted that the national and provincial departments of education must ensure that the IEG grants is efficiently used to urgently improve maintenance in schools, eradicate dilapidated asbestos and pit toilets. Furthermore, it is essential that the budget allocation, to, allocation by Treasury is used to fill teacher vacancies. We have also further suggested that DBE must collaborate with social development to curb the dropout rate so that we don't con contribute to the 3.3 million that youth that is not in education, employment, or training. The DA knows this report. Thank you. BFF. Uh, thank you very much, House Chair. We note the report of the Portfolio Committee on Basic Education on the oversight visit to the Northwest and the Free State Provincial Departments as presented. The report vindicates our long-held conviction that South Africa's basic education system is characterized by crumbling infrastructure, overcrowded classrooms, poor water and sanitation infrastructure, which perpetuates the inequalities in our society. This important report, Chair, highlights the huge challenges faced by learners and teachers daily. And we hope that its recommendation will not gather dust in the records of the Department of Education. The insistence of the Department of Basic Education on rotational timetabling is really laid bare by this report. There is simply inadequate infrastructure in majority of our schools due to limited space to comply with COVID-19 regulations and social distancing. In the Bujanala district alone, there are 21 schools with inadequate toilet fa facilities, including pit toilets. 17 have major maintenance challenges and four are pit toilets. It should not shock us that within a technical secondary school has dilapidated buildings and collapsing ceilings. House Chair, the South African Human Rights Commission report released last year already highlighted these challenges. In Ngakamudir Mulema, 16 schools are supplied water through the water tanker services by the municipalities. We are especially concerned that some recommendations do not have timelines. And the report simply says with agency, but you know that the minister has no sense of agency whatsoever. She has proven this for the past 13 years. We must commend the teachers who continue to dedicate their lives to improving the lives of learners, including teachers of Unkhubuza Diro Comprehensive School, that despite the challenges they face, they even use their own vehicles to transport learners. The Department of Basic Education has failed millions of our children whose only hope for the future is acquiring good education. We reject this report because it does not propose any tangible means of holding the department to account for its failures. Thank you, House Chairperson. Thank you. The IFP. Honorable Chairperson, I deliver this declaration on behalf of Honorable S.L. Nobo. When COVID-19 pandemic hit our shores, one of the major weaknesses in our public service system was education sector. 
A number of issues in this sector were exposed, which directly placed the health of our learners and teachers at an increased risk. Apart from the COVID-19 virus, we still possess a current risk. Service and hygiene facility at our schools in general were inadequate. The, co the concern of general hygiene, whether COVID-19 exists or not, must be taken seriously by the department and swiftly addressed. Our learners, youth, and teachers spend considerable time, amount of time with each other daily. It is unacceptable that in this day and age, we still have water delivery. Safe drinking water and proper sanitation being an ongoing issue. The report itself lists this issue as basic service, meaning that the government is failing to provide the minimum safe condition of sanitary to our learners, never mind being at the forefront of the quality services. In the Portal district, there are 21 schools with inadequate toilet facility and including the PT literacy. In 2019, President Ramaphosa promised to prioritize the eradication of PT literacy. Eh, sorry, Malaji. Tima. Tima Mutomusha. In 2019, President Ramaphosa promised to prioritize the eradication of PT literates in schools within three years. And his preceptor, former President Jacob, Jacob Zuma, made this promise in, 20, in 2013. It's now 2022, nine years later. And the ANC-led government, government has repeatedly failed to keep this promise. Minister, what is what has this department done to hold President accountable for not me meeting his deadline for eradicating of all school across the country? Why has the department not realized this most basic need? The IFP finds find this continuously existing of PT literates in schools completely unacceptable. We, can, we call on our parents, learners, teachers, and civil society to partner with IFP in holding government accountable. We need to ensure that the, the promise are kept and citizens are treated with the respect they deserve. I thank you. Thank you. Can we allow them to clean first? Then the FF plus you can go ahead. Proceed, FF Plus. Honorable House Chair, in January, the Portfolio Committee for Basic Education visited selected schools in Northwest and the Free State. How these schools were selected was not expressly reported, but it seems that only one school in good shape was visited. What would a really good school in rural South Africa look like? The most important feature would not be the beauty of the buildings and terrain, although we may very well find it well kept. It would not be the quality of plumbing, for water and sanitation, although we would not expect problems in that area. It would not be the imposing office of the principal with rows of degrees hanging on the wall, although we would expect the principal to be qualified and hardworking. It would not even be happy and hardworking learners attending classes presented punctually and well-prepared teachers, although to expect that at the school goes without saying. The, the result of the most important feature could be deducted from the above mentioned. 
it would in fact be a community which has taken ownership of the school as an extension of the family, as an institution which specializes in formal education while parents are economically active. It will be an interaction between young people, children, if one may still use the word, between children and teaching adults, between parents and teachers as educators in different roles, between the local educational community and the state, which provides buildings, water, sanitation, and direction to work schools have to do. All of this will be facilitated by a school governing body. What we will see is not perfect harmony because that is seldom is productive and progressive. It will be ca characterized by tension between different interest groups, but the tension will not develop into animosity or worst of all, apathy. When one or more of these role players overestimate its own role or relinquish, relinquish it altogether, schools are found where pit toilets are the norm, where neither the community, nor teachers, nor support staff, nor learners take pride in the general appearance or functionality of the school. Evidently, all schools are somewhere on a spectrum of functionality with some room for improvement. Schools from across the spectrum had been visited by the committee. The bad news is that they are really dysfunctional schools. The good news is that there are also some good schools, also in poor and rural contexts. That means that there are role models. My advice to communities who want to improve their schools is not to lift up their eyes unto the government for whence help will probably not come as, but to put shoulder to the wheel, welcoming the state once it presents itself. I thank you. Thank you. The ACDP? Ms. Sukers, I showed you the chat. <laughs> Thank you, Chairperson. In the words of John Maxwell, everything rises and falls on leadership. This oversight tells the tale of two provinces and the strengths or weaknesses of its leadership. And I want to agree with Honorable Bosov in outlaying the attributes of what makes a good rural farm school. And we certainly saw that at the farm school in the free state. The ACDP supports this report by the committee. And because of this farm school, I want to focus on specifically this one issue as it, as it is in the report. We believe the department should take note of the challenges of integration learners from rural communities experience when they are moved to township schools far away from home, as indicated in this report. This priority of merging and closing non-viable schools are in direct contradiction of the rural development objectives, and it contributes to the disintegration of farming communities. The principal at Mkakisang Primary School requested that grade eight and nine should remain at the school until children are mature enough to move to the FET phase. The reason for this plight is because of the high dropout rate of learners and losing them, and losing them in townships to gangsterism and drugs. The issue of maturity and readiness in terms of sending children far away from home to new environments during these abnormal times is one that the department should be addressing. The second issue raised by the same school was the lack of social 
the lack of a social environmental impact study as it pertains to the mine in the area. And we wish to state that the same should be done before schools are closed or merged in farming communities. We believe the education sector, especially in rural communities, is an excellent opportunity for the department to respond to the presidential address, to contribute to economic, de to economic development. The department can make it much easier for communities to open collaborative schools or independent schools in those farming communities rather than sending foundation phase children to big schools in townships and losing children in the first phase of their high school years because they are being bullied and because they are not adapting to new environments. The ACDP supports this report and we really want to emphasize that the department needs to relook the approach that they are taking in closing these farm schools and merging them. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> the UDM? Uh, House Chair, there is an IFP member of parliament that called uh, President Ramaphosa, Sir Ramaphosa, Jacob Ramaphosa. We want to agree that he is indeed Jacob Ramaphosa because he and President Zuma are millimillies of the same ANC bag. But other than that, uh, we don't have a declaration on this point. Thank you. Unfortunately, you are out of order. Uh, Honorable Konko, you're out of order. The, the member actually rectified himself. He never said what you are saying. No, we uh, agree with ATM. him. Thank you. Bye-bye. There's nothing ATM. that you're saying. ATM, good. Chairperson, we have no declaration. Thank you. Thank you. NFP? Mabusvisi? AIC? No declaration, Chair. Thank you. Sorry, Chairperson. Can I rather do the declaration if Comrades uh, CBC is not available? I'm not sure why he's not. No, you are allowed. Proceed. You are from can, the NFP, isn't it? Can I go ahead from here, Chairperson? Is that all right? Yes, proceed. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. <clears throat> the National Freedom Party notes uh, the report on the oversight uh, visit. But, Chairperson, the challenges we face is as follows. And I'm not sure why the department does not take this seriously. When one in two children that start school do not finish school, surely it must be a problem. Chairperson, if 60% of the children from basic education level go to a tertiary institution and drop out in the first year, there has to be something wrong. Now, I had the opportunity under the Standing Committee of Honor Appropriations to go and visit some of these schools, Chairperson. And it is not like the department makes it look like, believe me. We have gone and seen brand new schools at 60 or 70 million rand that were built. They had a laboratory with no air conditioners at all. We had educators there, with, they had toilets there, chairperson, that the boys and girls had to use the same toilets and it is the responsibility of the educator to take these children to the toilets. That is the quality of education we are providing in particularly 
many of the rural schools. And I think the department needs to take this seriously, that if it continues, you are not going to address the skills needs of this country. Let us not be in denial, Chairperson. We know there are challenges. I mean, 28 years later, pit toilets currently exist, and we're doing very little about it. So, Chairperson, in supporting this report, we are saying let us get down and find solutions to the problems. We can't allow it to continue. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you. Uh, AIC, you are still not there? Well, you said you don't have. Thank you. I'm sorry for that. Cope? PAC? No declaration, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Nyonzoa. Aljama? Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable House Chair. Honorable House Chair, learners need to be prepared for 21st century competencies. And it is a pity that the report did not address this during the oversight visit. This was a wonderful opportunity to, uh, to identify the champion educators embracing the cyber civilization and provide them with the support to prepare our learners for the future and not restrict them to stone age competencies. I still wait to hear whether uh, basic education department uh, share 21st century competencies with educators or know what such competencies are. It seems leadership in basic education is still stone age and putting out fires and counting per toilets. Thank you very much, Honorable House Chair. Thank you. The ANC. No man, no man, you change International Women's Day. So, Siababonga. Thank you. Let's proceed. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. And greetings to you, yourself, and greetings to the, the chief people of the majority party, the executive, and all members, Mulweni. Uh, the ANC wishes all women in our country, across the continent, and the entire world a happy Women's Day. Malibongwe. Chair, the Basic Education Portfolio Committee oversight visit to schools to assess the state of readiness is a critical phase of the, of the year in the basic education system. Planning for the year is undertaken in the previous year to ensure that all schools have a necessary learning and teaching material. The coronavirus pandemic has further compounded the preparation as a department had to only, only not only focus on teaching and learning resumption, but adhere with COVID-19 health protocols. It is this reasons that as early as the 30th of November, 2021, the portfolio committee received a briefing from the department on the state of readiness for 2022. And we made enhancing recommendations to ensure readiness for the 2022 school calendar. Our oversight visit in schools in the Northwest, in Ngakamudiri Mulema and Dr. Kenneth Kaunda Education Districts in particular, has enabled us to assess the state of our schools and to engage with different stakeholders to get their reflections. This is a critical aspect 
for us as a representative for, for the people. Because to strengthen our schools through engagements and interactions with different stakeholders is pivotal. The visit also enabled us to have a holistic focus on the province beyond the schools visited as we received a comprehensive presentation from the Provincial Department of Education. Honorable members, this report contains critical recommendations which, which respond to pressing issues affecting our people. Our visit to Wizanape Technical School, which is a quintile four school, found that 40 out of 41 teachers were vaccinated, while over 10% of the learners from grade eight to 12 were vaccinated, reflecting a high uptake by teachers. It is with sadness that the school lost one of their uh, teachers due to COVID-19. The school received all its learner and teacher materials. Its challenges were largely infrastructure, as other member says also alluded to, which has deteriorated and lack of connectivity. We have recommended agent uh, intervention on the infrastructure and the supply of critical machinery and equipment as it is a technical school. We also visited Retlamet Special School, which caters for learners with severe intellectual disabilities. All learners in, in the uh, school receive a 100% transport subsidy and the school was ready to reopen. The greatest concern was on the, on the in, inadequate infrastructure, uh, which result in learners with different inabilities in one class, constraining effective attention. We recommended uh, expansion of infrastructure and provision of psychologists, therapists, and other social services within six months of adoption of this report. Honorable members, this is a critical matter to ensure inclusive learning in ensuring that learners with disabilities are able to, to be skilled in order to be involved in productive activities within their abilities. Other critical area is in our basic education systems are focus schools, which develop learners for specialization in different economic sectors. Our visit to Sunnis of High School, which is a, a, an agricultural school, is a major highlight of our visit because it demonstrated a, a practical way of embedding agricultural skills to develop our future farmers and specialists in the agricultural sector. The school has livestock sells, uh, has livestock and also sells 1,000 liters of milk every two days in, to Clover. Focus schools need to be expanded in our basic education system to ensure that we prepare learners for economic sectors which are strategic for economic development and transformation of our country. The young primary schools, primary schools in Dr. Kenneth Gounder district is deeply rooted in inclusive education and it caters for differently abled uh, learners. It provides uh, educational support for uh, diversity, abled, and those who are wheelchair bound. It is an inclusive school that is allowed to admit learners with mild and moderate disabilities to enhance their educational programs with schools and receive a disability budget allocation. In the free state, we visited Lejoliputwa and Mangawun districts. The provincial department also provided a comprehensive presentation on the different uh, uh, critical areas for preparation in relation to infrastructure, water supply, delivery of learner teacher material, which were 100% delivered. In the free state uh, province, the prevalent challenge was lack of adequate classroom for different grades. 
we undertook an oversight visit to uh, Leti Foshare Special School, which serves learners with moderate to severe intellectual disabilities. We made a specific recommendation on the filling of a therapist post as it is a critical function, particularly for learners staying in the hostel. Our oversight visit to Bansfley Combined School is a Mangawung, which, uh, in Mangawung, which is, a lo which is located in a farming co uh, community, was ready and COVID-19 compliant. The major concern is that the learners that, the learners that drop out and leave school uh, after completing grade seven to go and work in farms. We have made specific recommendations with specific timelines to address various challenges uh, we came across as the committee. We further commend the significant progress undertaken by two provinces in ensuring school reopening. It is critical that this report uh, is adopted less than two months since the visit to ensure rapid uh, implementation by the, the, by the department uh, on our recommendation. The ANC supports this report. I thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thank you very much. The motion is raised by the Chief Whip of the Majority Party is that this report be adopted. Are there any objections? House Chair. Yes, Honorable Mashabela. Please note the objection of the EFF. Noted. Therefore, the report is agreed to. As we proceed and allow the secretary to read the second order of the day. Debate on International Women's Day, gender equality today for a sustainable tomorrow. Thank you very much. I will now invite the Honorable Deputy Minister of Forestry, Fisheries and Environment on the virtual platform. The Honorable, the Deputy Minister. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson, and uh, good afternoon to Honorable Members. Chairperson, this very important parliamentary debate is taking place at opportune time as we gear up for the 60th, 66th United Nations Commission on Status of Women, which is scheduled to be held in New York from the 14th to the 25th of March, 2022, under the priority theme, achieving gender equality and the empowerment of all women and girls in the context of climate change, environmental risks, reduction policies, and programs. So today's debate theme Gender equality today for a sustainable tomorrow touches at the core of the global theme as we commemorate International Women's Day. The Commission on Status of Women allows us to take stock of the implementation of commitments governments made under the Beijing Declaration and Platform for Action. These landmark agreements adopted unanimously by 189 countries remain as a critical agenda for women's empowerment and are considered the basis of global policy on gender equality. It affirms that women's rights are human rights and that equality between women and men benefits everyone. The Platform for Action imagines a world where each woman and a girl can exercise her freedom and choices and realize all her rights, such as to live free from violence, to go to school, to participate in decision and to end equal pay for equal work. Chairperson, advancing gender equality 
is the context of the climate crisis and disaster risk reduction is one of the greatest global challenges of the 21st century. The, the issue of climate change and sustainability have had and will continue to have severe and lasting impact on our environment, economic and social development. Climate change effect will be felt everywhere and knows no borders. However, its most crippling effects will be borne by those who are amongst the worst vulnerable and marginalized, which are women and girls. Women are increasingly being recognized as more vulnerable to climate change impact than men, as they constitute the majority of the world's poor and are more dependent on the natural resources which climate change, change, climate change threatens the most. Parallel to the climate crisis is the coronavirus 19 pandemic, which has affected every sphere of life and has paralyzed every community around the globe, making the global market situation worse and thus negatively impacting on the economy. The years 2020 chair and 2021 have been record-breaking for extreme weather events around the world, with extremely weather that is more frequent, intense, and widespread than experienced in past years. Furthermore, the economic costs of COVID-19 are likely to shatter the chances of meeting existing climate financing goals as funding for climate change will be diverted to responding to COVID-19. According to the findings of the recent Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change Sixth Assessment Report Chair, science has confirmed yet again that even if deep emission cuts happen right now, today, the world will inevitably be struck by exacerbating impact resulting from lock-in warming until the end of the century. This clearly tells us that gender-responsive climate action is no longer an option, but an imperative. The material effects of climate change can be felt in the short term through natural hazards, such as landslides, floods, and droughts, and in the long term through a more gradual degradation on the environment. The adverse effects of these events, Chair, are already felt in many areas and sectors such as agriculture and food security, biodiversity and ecosystems, water resource, human health, human settlement, and migration patterns, even energy and transport. Globally, it is estimated that 70% of those who live on less than a dollar a day are women. Women own about 1% of the world's property, and 75% of ill-trade adults are women. In our country, women make up 50% of the population with a large proportion living in impoverished circumstances that are most vulnerable to extreme weather events and have no proper infrastructure, thus making them more affected to climate change and its impact. Women also face social, economic, and political barriers that limit coping mechanism. Chairperson, on the 17th of February, 2022, I had an honor to attend to as a guest speaker at a preparatory event organized by Ili Talabantu in the Western Cape in partnership with the Cape Peninsula University of Technology to flesh out women's needs and priorities going for upcoming CSW66 meeting in New York. The discussion had an enriched effect on the South African position to the CSW66 agreed conclusion on what the most vulnerable women and girls on the ground are grappling with on a daily basis. 
especially with regard to empowerment in the context of climate change, the environment and the disaster risk reduction. Climate change worsens existing vulnerability and adds to the pressures on the environment and natural resources on which so many South Africans directly depend on. For example, after climate-related disasters like the floods that have been experienced in the country recently, women are among the first to lose their homes, jobs, and have to work long hours to control their situation and get their household back in order, their household back in order rather, while men are more mobile and continue with their daily activities. Many women continue to hurt the household in many rural villages across the country where they are not readily mobile because they care for the children and the elderly while relying on the reduced natural resources and subsistences agriculture so to sustain their families and generate an income. With that said, Chairperson, women and girls are effective and powerful leaders and change makers for climate adaptation and mitigation action. They have natural, historic, and indigenous strong knowledge-based and expertise that can be used in the climate change mitigation, disaster reduction, and adaptation strategies. They are involved in sustainability initiatives around the world. In their communities and their participation and leadership result in more active climate action. Women as mothers and primary educators have a critical role to play in the promotion of behavioral change in economic and societal activities. It is therefore important that inclusive economic growth is key to addressing unemployment, gender equality, health, and other poverty-related issues. It also outlined our national climate change adaptation rather chairperson that was approved in 2020 defines the country's vulnerability, plans to reduce those vulnerability and leverage opportunities and outlines the required resources for such action, which demonstrating progress on climate change adaptation. It also outlines a set of objectives, intervention and outcomes to enable the country to give expression on its commitment to the Paris Agreement. As a guiding principle, our strategy aims to promote the participation of women, take gender differences in vulnerability to climate change and into account and address the needs and priority of both women and children. The vulnerability to biodiversity loss, desertification, and climate change impact are deeply connected to gender and conservatively sustainability intervention responses and solutions need to consider gender issues if they are to fully meet the objectives for which were established. We are also promoting integration of gender issues in disaster resilient related programs, including promoting and requiring the generation of gender disassociated data and analysis, and the monitoring and evaluation of the specific impact these events have on women and girls. Chairperson, furthermore, our department has also developed a strategy uh, towards gender mainstreaming in the environment sector 2016-2021, the first of such sector strategy in the country to provide strategic guidance for gender mainstreaming in the environment sector. This is with the purpose to ensure that initiatives in the sector are aimed to support the creation of policies that support gender analysis and mainstreaming during the, the development rather of new projects and including gender perspective 
into the whole project cycle management. It is thus very important, Chairperson, to continue to examine the opportunities as well as the constraints to empower women and girls to have a voice and be equally players in the decision-making related to climate change and sustainability as essential for sustainable development and greater gender equality. As I conclude, Chairperson, the strategy has lighted a few of the issues that we needed to take into consideration to ensuring that women and girls' voices are not excluded from global and national decision-making to make sure that an urgent stop to gender-based violence is attended to. Secondly, or lastly, raising aspiration of girls and their parents. We need to give girls image and role models that expand their dreams. We just want to then to salute Sibekisa Imbeko for Mama. Deputy Minister Soju, as we proceed, I just want to remind Mr. Zondo, Mama Kaula, Ms. Sokers, the rules have not changed. Uh, I will now invite the Honorable, the Chief Whip of the Opposition, uh, Ms. Mazzoni. <laughs> Thank you very much, House Chairperson Barato, and please forgive me for not being in the House, but I'm a bit under the weather today. Firstly, I'd like to wish all women a very happy Women's Day. But for me personally, and for many of the members of my party, this isn't a very happy Women's Day. When a crime is committed, Madam Chairperson, it is bad enough when it is someone that you know of or someone that you are acquainted with. But when the crime happens and it happens within your family, it is even worse to deal with. And the Democratic Alliance is no different and has had a massive uh, embarrassment caused to it very recently by someone who should have been taking care of the most vulnerable of society and whose actions have led us to look at things in a very different way and certainly to understand that if we don't act first, no one will act for us. It's because of that that I'm proud of people like Premier Ellen Winnie, who found out about an MEC and Honourable Chair, nothing that I say today will not be within the particular uh, in, in the public domain. The MEC for uh, Safety and Security was um, investigated for sexual misconducts and the minister uh, was immediately uh, removed from the executive by Premier Ellen Wendy and an independent investigation, and I hasten to add the word independent investigation, took place that found that there was sufficient credibility in the allegations of sexual misconduct, there was sufficient credibility in the allegations of alcohol abuse, and there was sufficient evidence 
that the MEC had created an environment that is conducive to sexual harassment or alternatively taking advantage of young women sexually. Now that is unacceptable. And I'm very proud of the fact that my party acted and acted immediately. But we cannot hide from these things. Sexual misconduct and GBV happens everywhere. And it is up to us as women, and it is up to us as society to speak out, even when it is very difficult to do so. To do so. It can be a brother, it can be a father, it can be an uncle. But we must never be afraid to stand up and protect our women. House Chair, I noticed the older I get that perhaps I, I, I think of myself as not being a prude at all. But I find myself getting more and more irritated when I look on uh, social media and I see photos of women being objectified, draping themselves around men and doing this because they are so desperate for any form of income that they will lower their standards and simply become objectified by male counterparts. House Chair, I make a call to all South Africans today. If women are not all treated equally, and if we leave one woman behind, we have failed in our duty. And I ask all South Africans to join me and join the Democratic Alliance in acting with haste when we find out about any sexual misconduct, because that is the only way to sustainable growth and to make sure that women play an active part in society. I thank you. Thank you, Honourable Member. The next speaker is the Honourable Kalipi. Thank you very much, House Chair. Chairperson, when a German Marxist theorist and activist, Clara Zetkin, proposed for the concept of an International Women's Day back in 1910, she did so on the background of brave struggles waged by millions of women over generations. Comrade Zetkin and many of the women who worked with her and those who came before them had been well aware of the peculiarity of the struggles of women in general and working women in particular. Just a few years earlier, Chair, over 15,000 women had marched through the streets of New York, demanding shorter working hours so that they could take care of their families and demanding equal pay for equal work. Comrade Clara carefully identified the struggle for women as inherently a socialist struggle. She once noted, I open quote, when a battle for suffrage is conducted, it should only be conducted according to socialist principle, and therefore with demand of universal suffrage for women and men, close quote. These ideals are forever relevant to our own society today, because the struggle for the emancipation of women has not changed much, particularly in our own country. Today in South Africa, more than half of our population are women and almost 40% of all households in the country are headed by women who are responsible to the well-being of their families and extended families. It is women who are at the cold face of poverty, who suffer the most from crime, who are scorned the most in public institutions, who almost always get the short end of the stick when it comes to access to justice, who do not pay equal for equal work. A 2018 study done by Economic Research Southern Africa found that female-headed households are more likely to be poor in relation to male-headed households. This is because in general, Chair, women are paid far less than men, even for doing the same work. 
female-headed households are approximately 40% of poorer than those headed by men. Also, 48% of female-headed households chair supports extended family members compared to 23% of male-headed households doing the same. As recent as 2020, States SA Inequality Trends Report indicated that women earned on average 30% less than men doing the same job. The same was confirmed by the Gender Pay Gap Report of the National Business Initiative released in 2021. Chairperson, we all know this to be true, but we have not taken any serious steps towards addressing these problems. The FF has consistently advanced the cause of women emancipation since our information since our formation in 2013. We have consistently called for land to be made available for, to women, particularly rural women, because they are the main drivers of sustainable change in communities. We have called for the protection of our environment because healthy ecosystem provides critical ecosystem services that are so critical for the lives of millions of rural women. It is in this context, Chair, that we support the struggle of the people of Kolobeni because we know that deep down, land struggles are women's struggles. Our municipalities and government departments must be compelled to provide opportunities to women-led initiatives because it is these initiatives that leave a lasting legacy in our communities. It is shameful that our society and our government is hell-bent on demonizing advances made in the struggle for women emancipation. The president and his bakers are doing all they can to stop the JC process that recommended the appointment of a first female chief justice in the country. They do this because as at the core, they cannot imagine an arm of the state as important as the judiciary that is led by a black woman. The opposition to the appointment of Judge President Mandy Samaya has nothing to do with her qualifications and skills, but everything to do with the fact that she is a black woman. It is an opposition that is encoded by a stinking patriarchy. It is the same group that is hounding out the public protector, the drive to remove hair from the hair positions comes from people who cannot stand a strong black woman in this country. As comrade Clara Zetkin said back then, when men are silent, it is our duty to raise our voices on behalf of our ideals. We will fight for the realization of these ideals for a social society because only under a socialist society will participation of women will be truly, truly realized, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Member. The next speaker is Honorable yeah. Slengwa. Honorable Chairperson, Honorable Members, as we unite globally today under the theme gender equality today for a sustainable tomorrow, we are steadily reminded that climate change has much greater impact on women. The 2022 theme calls on the global community to find urgent solution to address the climate crisis and specifically on the impact of the climate crisis on women. 
Women, according to United Nations, UN, are much more vulnerable as they are more dependent on the natural resources and constitute the majority of the world poor. In February this year, we saw the devastating impact of the floods in many parts of the country, such as Madlangeni and Greater Constant local municipality, where heavy rains left nearly 140 people homeless. The, the reality of the climate change coupled with the dear social and some and economic impact in the COVID-19 pandemic has only worsened the social burden carried by women. According to the statistics South Africa, the rate of unemployment among women was recorded 36.8% for second quarter of 2021 compared to 32.4 amongst men, women who according to 2019 data had nearly 38% of households in South Africa continue to be short change and system in their near the transformation. The, this claim nearly calls for the urgent implementation of policies to empower and uplift women, especially in rural economic. These women really on natural resources and work are sustained farmers and the small stage products, we must also, and the UN emphasizes, increase women in leadership role in green economy. This will require a firm commitment from our government, and more important, if require the rollout of such initiative, we cannot mere continue near year by year to discuss gender equality, investing in women-owned business, and increase women in access to land. We need to see these promises become a reality. Policy and programs, especially designed on behalf of women, mean very little if women are not aware of these programs and if government fails to meet targets in these frames. We are going to say that we are going to say that we who can open 
Oh, remember your time is now expired. Honorable member, your time has expired. Thank you. The next speaker is the Honorable Briet. Thank you, House Chairperson. Chairperson, gender inequality is so woven into the climate crisis, economic growth and a sustainable tomorrow that it is one of the core issues at the heart of the UN Sustainable Development Goals that have informed this year's International Women's Day theme. Figures indicate 80% of people displaced by climate change and climate-related disasters are women and girls, while 70% of the 1.3 billion people living, living in conditions of poverty are women. It is therefore crucial that sustainability and gender equality efforts globally go hand in hand. Bringing this home, the realities in South Africa are not much different to the global reality women and girls face daily. Poverty and food insecurity are central to women being vulnerable. There is a strong correlation between hunger and gender inequalities. The marginalized groups indicator 2017 report shows that on average, 40,6% of female-headed households were without an employed household member. Gender equality is regarded as an important determinant of food security. However, during 2019, approximately one-tenth of female-headed households, that's 11,1%, reported having suffered from hunger as compared to 9% of male-headed households. Sustainable development relies on ending discrimination towards women and providing equal access to education and opportunities for employment. Gender equality has been conclusively shown to stimulate economic growth, which is important, especially in countries with higher unemployment rates and less economic opportunity. The UN Women reported that in Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development uh, member countries, half of the economic growth over the past 50 years is attributed to girls having better access to education. The decrease in the gap between the number of years of schooling that girls receive when compared to boys also played a role. Still, not enough has been done to close this gap and to truly empower women and girls. Furthermore, Chairperson, we need to remember that South Africa's Constitution and Bill of Rights grant women equal rights and that labor legislation protects women from being discriminated against because of their gender. Yet statistics prove quite the opposite regarding the realities and pay disparity that women in South Africa face. In 2017, the World Economic Forum compiled a report based on gender-based pay disparity in 144 countries worldwide. It focused specifically on four major sectors, health, economics, politics, and education. The report revealed that South African men make approximately 6,600 rand more than women monthly. The country's gender pay gap is highlighted in the QLFS 2018 report, which showed that the median monthly earnings were below parity at 0.76% or 6% uh, in 2018, not much of an improvement from 2013's 0.71. In terms of the perceptions on income being the catalyst for women being 
um, independent, um, the results of the governance public safety and justice survey showed that only 55% of males believed that earning an income was the best way for women to be truly independent. On average, 64% of South Africans believe that women earning more than their partners would almost certainly cause trouble. Chairperson, these are not my figures and they are not made up. They are facts, and I can continue reciting findings that state that gender stereotypes and patriarchal tendencies are a big part of the problem. But until this parliament and the parliaments around the world become cognizant of the fact that the global sustainability and gender equality are inextricably connected, there will be no true equality or empowerment of women, and we will remain mere quotas. I thank you. Thank you, Honourable Member. The next speaker is the Honourable Sukas. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. We suffer the incongruence of a society in pursuit of the equality of women, whilst dancing to the vulgarity of a Cardi B song. There are no songs to sing of celebration in a world that celebrates the demeaning of women whilst advocating for her, lip, for her liberation and equal treatment. The ACDP can support most of the targets as set out in the Sustainable Development Goal, Goals 5, as these goals or targets rather align with the biblical truth that all are equal and made in the image of God and because it promotes human agency, which is key to development. Discrimination on the basis of gender is a moral deviation from truth. What we contend, however, is that in a world in pursuit of equality, the demeaning of women through pornography remains unchallenged by lawmakers, and that the emphasis on abortion as a sexual and reproductive right empowers not women, but the profiteers whose business model at a global level is supported by governments like our South African government. The case against Dr. Jacques de Fosse, whose insistence on providing full counsel to a young mother seeking termination of pregnancy, proves again that abortion care is non-existent. We cannot emphasize equality without recognizing that it is a woman who falls pregnant. It is a woman who carries a child for nine months and in most cases raises that child alone. Healthcare or the lack thereof affects primarily women. The lack of a holistic social care network affects women. It is a woman who applies for a child care grant, a woman who applies at the Department of Home Affairs for birth certificates, a woman who seeks employment benefits. It is a woman who crosses rivers in seeking for asylum. It is a woman who applies for refugee status in foreign places far away from the place that she calls home. It is the women of Africa who suffer under impotent governments, who forget the virtue of their forefathers, and it is women who suffers the most by the inefficiency of the same governments. There is an incongruence in the pursuit of equality, whilst ignoring the very practices that further malign women and empower men who think they own a woman's body. 
Legalizing prostitution does not give women agency over their lives. It enables their exploitation. So is the continued failure to link the easy access to pornography and the escalation of gender-based violence. Gender-based violence is the true performance scorecard on how far we are with the pursuance of a just and equal society where women are celebrated and not killed. We live, lastly, on a continent where women are displaced by inequality. They remain homeless until they die, not in her bed of old age, but too many times they die of a gunshot wound or by a knife bludgeoned to death. That is how far we have come. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honourable Member. The next speaker is the Honourable Kwankwa. <clears throat> Thank you very much, House Chair. Gender equality remains one of the greatest challenges facing South Africa and perhaps humanity in the 21st century. This, despite, uh, despite the progress made towards achieving an equal society, major gaps for women of color, women living with disabilities, and members of the LBTQI community still persist. Such gaps, you must admit, that still pre prevail across the social, economic, and political spaces. It is regrettable that nearly 30 years since we attained freedom, women are still experiencing different forms of discrimination where they find themselves excluded on economic activities due to lack of access to finance, lack of skills, and harassment at workplaces. Another economic form of inequality is the gender pay gap where there's a difference in wages between men and women for the same work of equal value. This simply means despite the progress that we have achieved in trying to make sure that we have transformative policies in place and in order to build an, an inclusive economy, gender inequality remains a challenge in South Africa that requires us to take it head on. Social efforts also undermine this. Social efforts and social con conventions where women are undermined culturally and their places regarded to be in the kitchen also becomes a major problem because despite the progress we've made since 1994, that still persists. Furthermore, regardless of women's significant contribution to economic and social development in South Africa, they are still disproportionately impacted by any social ill and emergency, as well as poverty. For instance, the emergence of COVID-19 pandemic has exacerbated the poor socioeconomic status of women. Thousands of women street vendors across the country could not provide for their families due to the irrational lockdown regulations that were implemented by government without caring for the livelihoods of the people who are in the informal sector who are predominantly women. Sadly, even the unemployment results for the third quarter in 2021 indicate that South the South African labor market is more favorable to men than it is to women. This is a shortcoming that we have failed to address as this house, which we must consider to ensure that we hold employers accountable for the failure of performing properly insofar as this is concerned. Chair, it is time that we all work hard in this house to create favorable conditions that will enable equal participation on social, economic, and political spaces for women, while we must celebrate the significance of women in this country and the progress that they've made since 1994, it is important that we create an environment that is conducive for them to succeed and to truly self-actualize. We thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Member. The next speaker is the Honorable Heron.
Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, Chairperson, due to our history of slavery, colonialism, and apartheid, South Africans have well-developed understandings of prejudice and discrimination, not just applied to race, but also to language, location, culture, sexual orientation. We pretty much embrace the full gambit of hatred. Our constitution has theor theoretically unstitched all of these divisions, and we have made some progress. For example, South Africans must be very careful about racist utterances. But besides outlawing racial discrimination as a society, we seem to have deprioritized dealing with the other prejudices that continue to define us as a nation. We speak about them a lot, but what are we actually doing? We, the women of South Africa, wives and mothers, working women and housewives, declare our aim of striving for the removal of all laws, regulations, conventions, and customs that discriminate against us as women and that deprive us in any way of our inherent rights, the advantages, responsibilities, and opportunities that, that society offers to any one section of the population. Chairperson, that statement has as much currency today as when the Women's Charter was adopted nearly 70 years ago. The face of poverty in our country remains unquestioningly that of a black woman. The feminization of poverty is perpetuated through a labor market that Stats SA describes as heavily racialized and gender biased. Men are more likely to be employed and women in the workplace are likely to earn 30% less than men. The incidence of family violence and gender-based violence is ever on the rise. We have failed to create workplaces that are free of sexual and gender-based violence, harassment and discrimination. And masculine solidarity, a culture of pat patriarchy, enables powerful men to get away with transactional sex. We commemorate Women's Day and make forceful speeches when a particularly horrendous incident of gender-based violence hits the news. But our families, communities, and schools continue to generate new generations of haters, raised to believe in the subservience of women. The campaign for gender equality is not achieved for as long as the solidarity of tolerance only gets broken every now and again. Real leaders of all genders must stand up every time there's a transgression, not only when standing up is politically unavoidable. Chairperson, sustainable development cannot be achieved without gender equality. If we are honest with ourselves, whatever we've done, and no matter how many times we debate gender issues, we're making no progress. Maybe we should stop the symbolism of international days, the hot air of speeches, and do real things, like legislate against earnings inequality, and recognizing femicide as a hate crime would be a good start. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Member. The next speaker is the Honorable Sharif. Uh, thank you very much, House Chairperson. We cannot have gender equality until we fight the scourge of gender-based violence and femicide. I want to make it clear to this house, having plans, signing declarations, and speaking about GBVF in all the state of the nation addresses has done nothing to change the lives of women and LGBT in South Africa. It has done nothing to keep women safe and to hold perpetrators to account. This government has made it clear that they do not give a damn about women and the LGBT. And it is time we take a stand and say no more. Being born a woman in South Africa is being given a life sentence of abuse and violence that we face from inside and outside our homes.
The South African Police Service released stats on sexual violence and domestic violence experienced by women is not decreasing. In fact, taking into account the amount of unreported cases, the figures provided to us is lower than the real figures. In a period of nine months, 38,854 sexual offense cases had been reported with rape accounting for 86.8%. And 53,529 women have reported domestic violence under this government. In total, this is almost 100,000 women. 100,000 women from April to December 2021. Given the very evident increase of violence against women, don't allow them to sell you dreams to make it sound as if they are doing the most, when in fact they keep doing the least. And the real amount of women and girls facing violence is clearly increasing. <clears throat> if these figures do not bother you, then perhaps looking at the case backlogs of sexual offenses at criminal courts should. As of March 2021, there is a backlog of 12,557 cases. And as of December 2021, there is a backlog of 15,605 cases, or so we think, since they have admitted to having system and data challenges. <clears throat> Excuse me. This means that perpetrators are walking our streets as free men, while survivors are being traumatized consistently through postponements of their cases, often for years on end. House chairperson, women do not feel safe and cannot trust a system that continuously let them down. Women do not report sexual violence because they do not feel like they will get justice. And giving these, given these stats, it is true. Justice is difficult to come by when you are born a woman in South Africa. The case backlog at criminal courts is just another example of failure. The thousands of case backlogs need urgent intervention if this government wants us to take anything they say seriously. Government must do more to ensure women are safe in this country and that government systems work, especially with SAPs and in the criminal courts, so that women are able to report crimes against them. We must do more as women are dying every single day in this country and the justice system continues to fail them. House Chairperson, what we need is less lip service and more doing. I thank you. Thank you, Honourable Member. The next speaker is the Honourable Gancho. Thank you, Honourable House Chairperson. Uh, good afternoon, Honourable Members. We are already experiencing the impact of climate change in the country. And it is increasingly evident that the impacts are not just environmental, but also social and economic. The models from South Africa Weather Service and the CSIR show that the impacts are going to get worse over the next decade, unless drastic actions are taken at a global, regional, and local levels. The effects of climate change are not the same throughout the country as some provinces are in the grip of drought, 
while others are experiencing floods. The inequality gap in the country makes the impacts to be experienced differently between different generations, races, income groups, and between men and women. These factors create different adaptive capacities where in rural communities and poor households are likely to experience severe impacts. Women carry the largest burden in climate change, mostly because of unequal access to productive assets and climate-related migration between provinces. While women are the most vulnerable group in society, they are also better positioned to play a critical role as influential change agents to address climate change at both local and national levels. As a country, we have contributed to climate change problems we, we are facing, although at a smaller scale than industrialized countries. While we acknowledge our contribution to the problem, we are taking responsibility to have put mechanism in place to reduce and reverse carbon emissions. Carbon emissions are the major drivers of climate change and South Africa has committed to limiting global average temperature increases. As a signatory to United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, we have renewed our resolute stance on sustainable development in line with the Paris Agreement. In the Paris Agreement, which we are party to, we have committed to consider human rights, gender equality, and women's empowerment in all climate actions. This gender mainstreaming is gradually permeating all government plans. The SDGs that have to be achieved by 2030 are aligned with South Africa's national development plan and other overarching national policy directives on climate change matters. Our seriousness on climate response can be seen in our ambitious nationally determined contribution that we submitted last year. The commitments are in line with the National Climate Change White Paper. The National Climate Change Adaptation Strategy is our tool to deliver on Paris Agreement. We have tied the adaptation strategy with the Climate Change Response Monitoring Evaluation System to keep track of our progress. South Africa is mobilizing both internal and external funds to enable adaptation, mitigation, and resilience. The newly established Presidential Climate Commission creates an additional layer of robust monitoring and evaluation and have developed a long-term low emission strategy. We are aware that climate change responses need strengthening at a local level. Hence, the Department of Forestry, Fisheries and Environment is capacitating municipal councillors and officials on environment and climate change needs. This is where the district development model shortens the gap between policy development and implementation. Climate change adaptation requires substantial funding and as 
South Africa is party to such funding mechanisms. For example, the Adaptation Fund, which South Africa acceded to in July 2002, has dedicated over 165 million US dollars to increase climate change resilience in 25 countries around the world. Moreover, we, we also contribute to the Green Climate Fund, designed as an operational entity of the financial mechanisms of the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. And South Africa regularly attends summits of conference of, of parties as we have attended uh, the COP26. We need to strengthen the flow of secured funds to respond to the needs of rural communities, particularly where women carry more of the climate change burden. Women must, put at, must be put at the center of climate change as they are most affected and should be involved when crafting solutions, incorporating their ways of adaptation. There are, also, there are also important gender issues associated with climate change adaptation, such as inequalities, as access to resources. Access to resources will empower women to intensify their role in climate change adaptation and mitigation. The the, the consideration of women to be part of decision making at national and local levels is a progressive step towards climate adaptation and mitigation. It is easy to know that climate change bill considers the climate change response for provinces and municipalities through the National Adaptation Strategy Plan. In South Africa, we have taken a developmental approach in our climate change bill by undertaking the national adaptation objective and is incorporated in all relevant planning instruments, policies, programs, which address the actual and potential impacts of climate change. We have adopted the just transition approach to ensure environmental sustainability, as well as decent work, social inclusion, and poverty eradication. This approach speaks to, to women's issues, particularly in the transition of low carbon economy. The just transition is also considered the socioeconomic challenge faced by women and the most vulnerable. The transition also emphasizes how women can, can be empowered with the matter relating to climate change and how addressing the issues of climate change can improve matters related to health, food security, and unemployment. In conclusion, Honorable Chair, the climate change adaptation and mitigation strategy of the country are adequate to respond to the challenges. They just need to be aggressively implemented and overseen closely. The implementation of our strategies is a contribution to local, regional, and international efforts of fighting climate change and gender inequalities. I thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. 
The next speaker is the Honorable Sheikh Imam. Thank you, House Chairperson. Allow me to start off by paying tribute to my former leader, Zanele Kamagwazam Sibi, who's not here this year or today, and the role that she played. But let me also add <clears throat> something that I've said before, that a woman can be a mother and a father, but rarely will you find a man can be a father and a mother. But very importantly, when the issue of woman comes to mind, it reminds me of a mother. A mother, and I've said this before as well, you can have nothing in the world, but if you've got a mother, you've got everything. You can have everything in the world, but if you don't have a mother, you still have nothing. Now, women were created, women were created differently with special features, special qualities, and there has to be a reason for that. But what is disappointing, and I want to add on what Honorable Jeffrey said. <clears throat> when Honorable Jeffrey spoke about the gender-based violence and the role that different kinds of men play, Honorable Jeffries, let me help you there. You missed out members of parliament because when they were ordinary citizens, they worshiped their wives. When they became members of parliament, they found mistresses, young ones, left their wives, leave their children. And you'll notice that, you'll notice that on Valentine's day, Members of parliament are taking the girlfriend, the mistresses on Valentine's Day, but leaving the poor wives and children at home. That is the problem we have. You know, 17.1% of females do not even go to school. And why don't they go to school? Because of family responsibilities at home. Now, Minister, Deputy Minister Jeffries, you're going to agree with me. One of the major problems we have in society today is parental alienation. And that comes from both men and women. When they fight each other, the women do not want the children to go to the father, when the father does not want the children to go to the woman. And remember, it's a criminal offense in many countries all over the world. But the question we need to ask ourselves, why is this so common? amongst black communities. Is it a cultural problem? Is it a religious problem? Because it is not. You don't find that as popular amongst the other race groups. What is the problem? And one of the issues, and I know some people are not going to like it, but that's the fact. It comes from the root causes, and that is the dysfunctional families. If you do not go to the root causes of what is going on and how these families are becoming dysfunctional, you are not going to address this. Honorable member, your time is now Thank expired. Order, honorable members. Order, honorable members. The next speaker, order, is the honorable Jafta.
All the honorable members, the honorable Jafta. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, honorable chair. As we mark the annual International Women's Day, gender equality for a sustainable tomorrow is our guiding theme. For us, a broader meaning of this theme compels us to ask the following questions, particularly on intersection between gender equality and a sustainable global order. Why are women severely affected by climate change as opposed to men? Is gender equality guaranteed under a global order that still allows women to earn lesser than men? In attaining a sustainable tomorrow, why is it that women are still second guests when leading formidable institutions like IMF, the International Trade Organization, or the World Health Organization? Why are women assessed differently to men in our workplaces? Honorable Chair, these questions are not exhaustive. We must therefore begin a process by which we center our discussions and solutions to gender inequality against the lens of our flag bearers. Inequality robs us skillful, industrial, and hardworking women across the globe. It deprives us the opportunity to, to extract meaningful guidance from women as leaders of society to seek refuge in their wisdom <clears throat> and to inculcate a culture of patience in our private spaces. As we mark International Women's Day, we must confront the demons of wars, discrimination and violence, particularly because their impact on women is wide, aggressive and hitting. Honorable members, we cannot, we cannot build a global order if women are still constrained by the evils of inequality, poverty, and unemployment to achieve our collective aspirations as a society. In South Africa, we must make it a requirement that political parties contesting elections must have an equal balance of women and uh, order, honorable members, order. Caucus, the AIC included, Honorable Chief Whip. This must, also, this must apply to our courts, the Chapter 9 institutions, and government departments. Honorable Chair, gender equality must also be harnessed through our commitment to leveling the playing field by, amongst others, breaking monopolies and involving women in the running of startup. We wish all women a happy International Women's Day. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. Order, Honorable Members. The next speaker is the Honorable Madisha.
Uh, thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair and members. Uh, I want to say happy Women's Day to all our women here in our country and beyond our seas. We know that as we are seated here, there are women all over the world who are going through very serious problems. Uh, women today in Ukraine, they are moving around with their children on their backs. In Russia, we know what is happening. It is extremely, extremely sad. I hope we can rise as we move out of here and pray for them. As we dedicate uh, this day, the Honorable Chair, to our women, we must examine where we truly come from. We talk about gender equality, but then the question arises, is this true gender equality? I know we have uh, risen on very many occasions in the past, and uh, we have spoken about this particular point. But I must say, Chair and members, even after we had spoken, nothing was changed. Our constitution was amended. It was amended 17 times in a number of sections. But when it comes to the area of women, nothing has been done. As parliament, we have risen with and are promoting a new tactic of women oppression, as well as the suppression of their true democratic rights. Consistently, we rise, particularly those among us who own power and say gender equality, so that we can get support from the weak. And when I say the weak, I'm referring to the women. So that when we go and get... When I order, honorable week, members, order, order. Continue, honorable Medisha. When I say the weak, it's a euphemism that shows that the people that we are talking about are the weak people when it comes to oppression and suppression. And we therefore have got to look into that. Now, each time those of us who've got power, when we rise, what do we do? We say gender equality, etc. Why do we do that? So that when we go to elections, women, because there are many, they then can be able to move with us because we shall have reason to paint a picture that we do, do care about them. And they then shall be there to uh, vote us into power. Now, these are some of the things that I would appeal to all of us, both in our country and beyond our seas, to say we need to truly look into this particular uh, point. I have risen on two occasions in the past two years and said that we must look at ourselves even here and say how many political parties are led by women. To the best of my knowledge, and I believe I'm not uh, incorrect, it's only one. So all of us, both in uh, a parliament here and 700 political parties around the country, I want to say that something has got to be done. Honorable so member, your time is now expired. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The next speaker is Honorable Hendricks. 
Thank you very much. The Al political party welcomes the recent ruling by the Supreme Court of Appeal that the father who avoided paying maintenance to his two daughters and ex wife must pay up the debt almost 30 years later. The party lords a judgment which recognizes the advantage to women and children where maintenance payments are evaded. Al-Jama proactively brought about amendments to the Maintenance Act. These were supported in every corner of South Africa who realized the Act's shortcomings. The amendments were published in the Government Gazette number 45616 on the 10th of December uh, 2021. It brought the... Uh, uh, the amendments in order that our women folk who are not shortchanged by the men folk who father children with them. Our women folk should be addressed as equals in the household and by extension in society, be it in urban or rural areas. So no one way of seeing that this equality remains for a sustainable uh, tomorrow. Our men folk must see that they execute their legal come financial duties as verified by the social come judicial system. Any negligence on their part in supporting the children who they fathered would naturally have an adverse effect on gender equality for a sustainable tomorrow. Reporting by the media on the negligence uh, can largely be laid at the feet of male journalists and their male editors. Such important amendments has escaped their attention. The theme for this year's International Women's Day reminds us that gender equality is a key component for achieving sustainable development in South Africa. Gender equality can be pursued from different forms, such as starting at home, eliminate domestic violence, eradicate gender-based violence against all women and girls, eliminate the discriminatory practice in the corporate world against women who earn 27% less than males. But mostly we must not we must not strive towards the devaluation of women by stripping her from being women. The devaluation of women is very intrinsic to Western and to the capitalist corporate cultures that we live in modern society, and the state must restore the value of motherhood, and they can learn lessons from Chief Albert Latulu's values and ethos on fatherhood, who complements this and was not patriarchal. We hope our amendments will have a constitutional master and be a model for all in Africa. Thank you very much, Honorable House Chair. Thank you, Honorable Member. The next speaker is Omrul Kharube. Thank you, Chairperson. International Women's Day comes as cold comfort to the millions of women in our very own country who battle to live a meaningful life. While international bodies like the UN encourage us to celebrate how far we have come in terms of closing the gender gap and achieving parity, we must be brutally honest with ourselves about the very real hindrances of, to women's substantive upliftment. The national legislation in South Africa, we must certainly be the engine room for these kind of required reforms in our country. Of course, this debate was largely on gender-based violence and femicide because of the scourge that we face in this country. The statistics speak for themselves. Women in this country are living in a violent society akin to a war zone. 
The conviction rate of those crimes are negligible in contrast to the scale of the crisis. This is in part due to poor policing, poor evidence collection, and inadequate investigations that lead to many perpetrators walking free. In addition to this, some blame must be placed on leaders of our country, some of whom sit in this house. Let me be quite clear. Perpetrators of violence against women are not some monsters out there. They are colleagues, they are leaders in society, and some are our very own honorable members. The measure of whether any organization is committed to rooting out violence against women is not whether or not such perpetrators exist. It is whether or not that organization is prepared to deal with the matter and deal with it decisively. In my very own party, allegations of sexual violence surfaced. And when this happened, investigations were launched, action was taken speedily, while also protecting the victims and the whistleblower. We expect nothing less. It's not about politics, it is about what is just. The reality is that there must never be any place to hide for anybody who commits this kind of crime, not in our political parties and not in our parliament. Because GBV continues to consume all and national conversation about the fight for gender equality, we are being completely left out of the conversation on a number of things. How do we ensure that the laws that are passed in this house and the decisions that are being made reach the millions of poor women who require the change the most? How do we bridge the gap of economic exclusion faced by women who look to us for many of these reforms? How has COVID-19, the pandemic, deepened the inequality disproportionately affecting poor black women in this country? How impactful are platforms like the Women's Parliament when there is no sexual harassment policy for members of parliament, when the decisions of this very parliament are not binding to this house? Has having 50-50 representation in parliament really brought about the substantive change to we need for women's lives to change? How do we tackle the climate crisis that disproportionately affects women in South Africa? Have we been united and vocal about the regressive policies in many workplaces across the country that hinder women and women's advancements? No, we have not. There, these are not just women issues, members of parliament. The power to bring about real change is contested in the town square of mainstream politics, and that is where we should be bringing these matters. Women, women cannot be relegated to being obligatory diversity tickets. Mine is not a girl power speech or a womanja speech. Frankly, women world over have grown tired of meaningless platitudes that do nothing to materially change their lives. Until we can be intentional and unapologetic about using the levers of power in this very legislature itself to change lives, we will have very little to celebrate going forward. Thank you. The next speaker is the Honorable Nkomo. Uh, thank you, Honorable Chairperson, uh, our beautiful chief whip of the majority party. Uh, honorable members, uh, I thank you for this opportunity. 
Firstly, I would like to address Honorable Mazzoni uh, by saying that uh, we welcome and note the action taken by the Premier of the Western Cape in regards to the allegation of the former MEC. And it must also be noted that this happened after the ANC in the Western Cape opened the case against the MEC in January. And our father called on Premier Alan Windy to remove Albert Fritz from executive completely and allow law enforcement against um, agencies to deal with these um, generous matters. Chairperson, you must listen. Chairperson, the women of South Africa, you must listen. The women of South Africa will, will live in fear because of men like Albert Fritz. Worse, he had been accorded the role of protecting the communities in the province and creating safe environment, particularly for women and children. Of course. Um, Honorable Mkalipi, we must always be relevant when we debate in the House. The issue of public protector is currently being processed by, this, by the Section 194 Committee established through a, 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 a decision of this House. The Committee and the House will decide on the matter. By the way, the ANC always advocates for women emancipation, hence this House is led by a woman. <laughs> Honorable Sharif, my dear sister. Are you relevant, when? Are you relevant? <laughs> Order, order, honorable members, order. Honorable Sharif, in the Committee of the Multi-Party Women's Caucus, you always acknowledge that the issues of gender-based violence are societal issues. But we understand again, but in the House, there are political games that we must play. Honorable Sharif, um, you want to pinpoint the police. Let's not play with our social, with social issues when we have to work together in addressing this collectively. However, Honorable Sharif, as much as we appreciate the imperatives on issues of gender-based violence and femicide, today's theme was to recognize the contribution of women and girls around the world who are leading the change, the charge on climate change, adopt, adopt, adopting mitigation and response to building a more uh, sustainable future for all. We would have loved anyway, Honorable Sharif, to hear your views on how we can collectively put efforts together to build a sustainable future. Honorable Charity must begin at home. You must practice, practice what you preach. Uh, one of, we, call, we, we call that one of you in the two must do the honorable thing and resign and open a space for a woman. Uh, honorable Chairperson, honorable members, the time has come uh, that the democratic movement as a whole and all its activities should adapt concepts and practices that overturn old modes of approach towards the female health, half of the population of our country. We must ensure that women are organized from the, uh, from the local level upwards and throw them into struggling their millions and as equal participants at all levels of organizations and, and, and regardless of the form of struggles. The mass involvement of women is vital for our success in the objective we have set ourselves, that 
that of ensuring the speediest democratic transformation of our country. This was an instructive message from the January 8th statement of the ANC in 1991, which was delivered by the President Nelson Mandela, who addressed on behalf of the then President of the ANC, Utata Oliver Rishnal Tambo, and the collective of the National Executive Committee on the occasion of the 78th anniversary of the ANC. The liberation movement has always maintained that the total emancipation of oppressed Africans, that distracting me. Yeah. Oh. The liberation movement has always maintained that the total emancipation of oppressed African people in, the, in our country, the continent and the, the diaspora will be implemented without the emancipation of women from all forms of oppression. The women's movement, which was formed and mutated alongside within the ANC, played a key and decisive role, not only in struggle against colonial apartheid, but also in the demo democratization of South Africa. Chairperson. Yeah, I'm suffering. Honorable members, here. on both sides of the house, you are conversing with one another <coughs> and you are interrupting the speaker. On both sides of the house, don't do that. It's not very clever to interrupt your own speaker. Continue, honorable member. Thank you. We are continuing on the left. The transformation of legal and cultural framework, the economy, culture, ideology, and other forms of relations in our society owes to the greatest strike which we have made by the women of our country advancing towards a non-sexist society. The South African constitution provides special protection for women as part of groups who remain marginalized due to historical inequalities, which also include the rural and urban poor, urban poor children, youth, the aged people living with disability, and the LGBT. I plus community. This constitutional provision is a reflection of the commitment of Parliament to achieve maximum social transformation through represent, representing the interests of women and the most marginalized in society. Generally, the country has made great strides in the, in the area of women representation in, in political and legislative roles. The South African Parliament is ranked as one of the most gender diverse parliaments across the globe, ranked third in Africa and tenth in the world. Over the, over the last 24 years, the democratic state has transformed the public service of the inclusion of women and, pl and placed at the center the question of women emancipation. However, this is not translated to progress in other sectors such as business and academia. There are some areas where we have seen elements of regression. For example, nearly all director generals in national government are men. This highlights that the struggle for transformation continues to wage on, and that the gains we make can, can be undone unless we are vigilant and focused. Honorable Chairperson, in since 2015, the South Africa has won the uplatros of shame of being considered by the World Bank as the most unequal society in the world, with a Gini coefficient of 0. 0. 63. Statistics South Africa confirmed that the income and wealth inequalities which characterize the structures of South African, South African economy are not only racialized but also gender biased. The largest contributor of overall inequality came from the labor market at 74.2%. Women workers earn approximately 30% less on average than male workers. The report reveals that males are more likely to be employed and have relatively better paying jobs compared to any you are made while you are distracting me. While you have a problem with yourself. Yeah. Order, honorable members. Order, honorable members. It's a small venue. So if you raise your voice, honorable member, you disrupt the speaker. While interjections is allowed, please limit it to when it is necessary. Please continue, honorable members. 
Thank you, um, House Chair. Furthermore, women face hunger more, more often than men due to disparities in income, limit access to employment or means of production and cultural practices that put them last or allow them smaller uh, portion when food is in a short supply. According to State's essay in 2020, when the COVID-19 pandemic broke, around 38% of households were headed by women. Female-headed households are approximately 40% poorer than those headed by men. Also, 48% of female-headed households support extended family members compared to 23% of male-headed households doing the same. In addition, women have to handle supporting children earning less than men, coping with gender-based violence and struggles with access to resources to improve their lives. There can be no doubt that power relations remain skewed in favor of men. Honorable members, the nervous condition of women now can't exacerbated by COVID-19 pandemic have reduced gender, reproduced gender-based violence and femicide. Already South African South Africa was named by the Interpol as the rape capital of the world. Over 100 people are raped every day in our country. This means that number of people being brutally violated adds up to tens of thousands every year. At the center of this reality is a rape culture which shapes shaped out of the patriarchal relationship in a society. Girls are made responsible for household chores and caregivers, often at an expense of their work, uh, of their homework and further education. The Department of Health and Gauteng, the most populated province in, in South Africa, said that more than 23,000 um, girls under 18 gave birth between April 2020 and March 2021, of which 934 were under 14. Compared to 14,577 girls aged 19 have babies under the same province. This shocking statistic reflects rape culture continues to thrive in our society. We call upon law enforcement agencies to follow up on these cases because sexual intercourse with the minor is an act of rape. Linked to the rape culture in our society is the phenomenon of femicide, which can be understood as an intentional murder of women because they are women. Femicide is the majority of in the, in the majority of cases is perpetrated by men, but sometimes female uh, female family members may be involved. Most cases of femicide are committed by partners or ex-partners and involved ongoing abuse in the home, threats of intimidation, sexual violence, or situations where women have less power or fewer resources than their partner. There is also violence against members of gender-based I mean, of LGBTQI plus community who are victims of murder and collective rape. Honorable Chairperson and honorable members, rape culture, gender-based violence and femicide are premised upon perpetuation of patriarchy in our society and we must make conscious decision to wage an ideological struggle against it. We must locate the role that, me, that women must play in a radical social economic transformation in our society where we make a fundamental change in a pattern in the patterns of ownership, control, and management of the economy to ensure that the system of the system and structure. This is of paramount importance because when women bear the brand of exploitation in our society, it's in every social economic challenges confronting us. It is women who are most affected whether it is poverty, crime, and vulnerability to disease, it is women who suffer. In the struggle for, for transformation, we must be clear that the education sector is a site for struggle. Women must make advances in academia. It must be deliberate. 
and we must, we must be deliberate about empowering women to acquire critical skills in the economy. Oxfam confirms that um, education is a great equalizer in the bridging the world and in income gap between men and women. Education is also an instrument that can be used to socialize young boys and girls to foster an advanced culture that will inform social relations, which will reject backwards practices in the world and the worldviews of patriarchy. The ANC and the Women's League um, have always stood at the forefront of the transformation of society and firmly located the role and position of women in the broader struggle for the liberation of blacks in general and Africa in particular, Africans in particular. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, there can be no doubt that, that the, gender, the gender question is firmly on the national national agenda, and we in the and we in the ANC have moved along with the women of our country and the broader community of LGBTQIA+ as we confront the challenges posed by patriarchal patriarchal society, uh, others and advances towards a non-sexist society. As women, you must listen, my fellow men from Ekurulin. Is this DA? They are howlers. These men. As women of Honorable Member, as, Honorable as Member, Honorable Nkomo, may I request the members on the platform? The rules for virtual sittings are very clear. You cannot just interrupt and switch on your mic. You can be removed from the virtual platform. Let us not do that, Honorable Chabalala. It is wrong. Continue, Honorable Member. Thank you, Honorable House Chair. As women on the right of this August House, We've long resolved that we would not use this platform, especially on issues relating to women, to squabble or grandstand, but rather pledge solidarity with all women across the globe, especially those whose rights are oppressed, that in every platform afforded to us, we'll continue to fight for the emancipation of women. We'll continue to raise the flag high and fight against patriarchal norms, fight for the rights of women, freedom of expression, and the inclusion of women in all sectors of the society. You strike a woman, you strike a rock. Thank you, Honorable Member. That concludes the debate. We now come to motions without notice. Order. Order, Honorable Members. Does any member of the ANC wish to give a motion without notice? The ANC? Is there a member from the ANC who wish to give? Please proceed. Thank you, Honorable Chair. The African National Congress moves without notice uh, that it knows with sadness the passing on of 19 people in a head-on collision between a Toyota Quantum minibus and a truck on the R34 road between Bloomhof and Suez Reneke in the Northwest on the 26th of February, 2022. Understand that 17 family members were among the 19 people who were returning home from a, a relative's wedding anniversary celebration at the that, at that time. Further understand that the other two people who died were the driver of the mini, minibus taxis, taxi and his friend whereas the truck driver remained unharmed. 
acknowledge that on the 22nd of the 20, uh, 22 occupants in the minibus, only three, including a child, survived and were admitted to a local hospital in, in critical condition. Further acknowledge that the Northwest government dispatched a team officials of officials to assess the needs of the bereaved families. Appeals to road users to exercise caution at all times and conveys its condolences to the families of the bereaved and wishes three injured passengers a speedy recovery. Thank you very much. If there are no objections, I put the motion. No objections agreed to. The DA. Thank you, Chair. I hereby move on behalf of the Democratic Alliance that this House knows the, that Nyanga is no longer regarded as the meta capital of South Africa after a range of interventions by the South African Police Services, the Western Cape Government, the City of Cape Town, that has led to the number of murders falling by more than a third over the last four financial years. Further, further notes that the decrease in the number of murders was only made possible due to the cooperative efforts of all the community structures and various law enforcement stakeholders joining hands to fight crime in the area. Acknowledges that the deployment of resources and at least 1,100 uh, officers to date in communities impacted by high crime rates in the city through the law enforcement advancement plan contributed significantly to work done by the South African police services. Recognizes that the collaborative efforts of community structures and the law, the various law enforcement stakeholders in other areas has also resulted in decreasing murder rates at Greifontein at 40 point. 5%, Harare at 14.5%, and Kailicha at 21.1%. Congratulate the South African Police Services, the Community Policing Forum, Neighborhood Watches, the Law Enforcement Official, Western Cape uh, Government, and the City of Cape Town for managing to bring down the high murder rate in Nyanga and other communities and wishes them success in their future collaborative safety efforts. I thank you, Chair. If there are no objections, I put the motion. No objections agreed to. The EFF? They agree. Yes. Oh. <laughs> thank you, Chair. I rise on behalf of the EFF for the House to note that Tusom Bedu, South African actress, won the award for the best female performance in a new scripted series at the 37th annual Independent Spirit Awards. Even for the independent film and television community in the US, acknowledges that Tuso, a talented black actress who we should all be proud of, is talented and is contributing to the work she calls a timeless work of art. Recognize her as a shining star, an ambassador of the African continent. Note that Africa has more talent and Tusombedu is an example of opportunity. We must build community-owned film and video facilities in our rural areas, townships, and cities to encourage other young people who are equally talented but not given the opportunity. If we keep young people in sports, arts, and creative industry, we will keep them away from the substance abuse. Congratulate Tusombedu and wish her success. I so move.
If there are no objections, I put the motion. No objections, agree to. The ANC. Thank you, House Chair. Uh, the ANC moves without notice that the House appreciates a 29-year-old Eastern Cape school principal who steered his under-resourced under rural school from a 28% pass rate in 2018 to an impressive 88.6% uh, in 2021. Remembers that the district education authorities urgently roped Abon Gemze in as a teacher in 20, uh, 2019 after the school's uh, dismissal performance the year before. Remembers that Abonge started his official teaching career as a math teacher at the K Team Chaza Senior Secondary School in Tolo in 2015. And while there, he started winter classes that uh, saw school, school's math results improve. Acknowledges that his teaching excellence was noted by his peers, and in, in 2017, they formed part of the Eastern Cape Department of education winter school program in the OR Tambo in, uh, inland circuit. Recalls that the winter classes in, he started in 2015 produced such good results that the department rolled out a similar pro, uh, project throughout the circuit. Believes that his achievement is testimonial to the fact that young people are capable of holding leadership position and congratulate Abon Gemze for the uh, sterling job uh, and for uh, his dedication, I so move. Thank you. If there are no objections, I put the motion. No objections, agree to. The IFP. Party. I move that the House, one, knows that judgment was handed down in the Western Natal Division of the High Court on the 2nd of March 2022 on matters relating to the late king of the Zulu nation, His Majesty King Goodwill Zolitin Gapeguzulu. Two, further notes that this Tamiya's judgment comes just days before the commemoration of one year since His Majesty passing on the 12th of March 2021, when the late king's legacy and reign will be honored and remembered. Three, appreciate that in delivering judgment, the Deputy Judge President, Justice Mchabriseni Isaac Matondo, clarified matters regarding the successor to the Zulu throne. Four, acknowledges the declaration of the Deputy Judge President that His Majesty King Misuzulukapezolitini is the undisputed successor to his father, the late King Kudulzolitini Kapezolitini. Four, welcomes the preparation that will now be made for the king's coronation. And six, wishes his majesty king, Mrs. Zulu, Kazolitini, courage, strength, and wisdom as he begins his reign, knowing that the institution of the monarchy unites the nation, secures stability, and protects the inheritance of all the people of the Zulu kingdom. I move, thanks. If there are no objections, I put the motion. No objections, agree to. The FF Plus. Thank you, House Chairperson. I hereby move on behalf of the FF Plus 
that this house notes with sadness the passing of June Seymour, actress and radio legend at the age of 88 on the 25th of February of this year. Further notes that she was the former head of translation at the SABC. Also notes that Seymour completed her degree in drama at the University of Cape Town before she started her career in radio doing voice work where she will especially be remembered for her role as Anna Mart in the radio program Die Deploys van Soetmelk's Flay. Acknowledges that she was generally known as the pioneer and matriarch of voiceover translation and dubbing work for radio and television at the SABC, where she built this department from the ground until it was known as the best of its kind in the world during the 1980s. Sympathize with her family, friends, loved ones, and colleagues with the loss of this pioneering woman in the entertainment industry of our country. I so move. If there are no objections, I put the motion. No objections agreed to. The ANC. Thank you, Chaperson. Uh, the African National Congress uh, moves without notice that the House uh, note with uh, sadness the ultimately uh, passing on of the Professor Edim Sanga, the Chaperson of the National Committee on the Confidential Inquiry into Maternal Deaths on Saturday, the 5th February 2022, remembers that he was a renowned obstacle and gynecologist at the Pumalanga Department of Health who contributed hugely to healthcare equality. Further remembers that he was an advocate for women's and child health care and was instrumentally in helping to implement the Choice on Termination of Pregnancy Act of 1996. Recalls that he was a professor and former head of the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the Nelson Mandela School of Medicine, where many patients and staff unlike held him in higher regard. Further recalls that he also served as an International Federation of Gynecology and Obstetrics Task Team on the prevention of unsafe abortion and was a past board member of the Partners for Reproductive Justice, believes the country has lost an extraordinary patriot with impeccable qualities and conveys its deepest condolences to the family of Prof. Mlanga and friends in the medical fraternity. Thank you, Chair. If there are no objections, I put the motion. No objections agreed to. The ACDP. Uh, thank you, House Chair. The ACDP moves without notice 
that the House notes the nomination of Springbok rugby captain Sia Kolesi, double Paralympics champion Ntando Mshlangu, and Olympics 200 meters breaststroke champion Tatiana Schoonmaker for this year's South African Sports Awards. Further notes that South African athletes and officials who excelled on the international stage will be honored in the ceremony at the Durban ICC. Congratulates all nominees of the South African Sports Awards who showed great determination and resilience during a difficult period globally. I so move. If there are no objections, I put the motion. No objections agreed to. The UDM. House Chair, I move without notice on behalf of the United Democratic Movement that the House, one, notes with great concern the high rate of unsafe abortions performed in illegal places around South Africa. Further notes that despite the fact that the termination of pregnancy is legal in South Africa, it is estimated that between 52 and 58 percent of the estimated 260,000 abortions performed every year are illegal. Remembers that Act Number 92 of 1996, Choice on Termination of Pregnancy Act, places an obligation on the government to provide reproductive health services to all. Acknowledges that uh, the 2017 Amnesty Report found that less than seven percent of the country's 3,880 public facilities perform termination of pregnancy. This is far less than the 505 medical facilities designated by the Department of Health to perform terminations of pregnancy. Encourages people to ensure that they perform termination of pregnancy at places that are licensed and by licensed medical practitioners. Calls for the Department of Health to intensify education and awareness programs around this issue which seek to address current challenges and ensure that abortion care facilities are safe, affordable, the process is dignified and accessible to all uh, South Africans, especially the poor. I so move. If there are no objections, I put the motion. Thank you, Chair. There's an objection from the ACDP. It will thus be converted to a motion. The ATM, the DA, I hereby move on behalf of the Democratic Alliance that this House notes that Mr. Raymond John Vestrat, the Treberga-based artist, was born in 1961 in Southend in Treberga, where he lived until he and his family were forcibly removed in 1971 and placed in a railway camp known as Sydenham. Further notes that while Mr. Vestrat still has a home base in Treberga, he also lives in and draws inspiration from New Bethesda in the Karoo. Mm -hmm acknowledges that Mr. Westrout has received international recognition for his work in recent years through his work being published in publications in the United States of America, Germany, and other parts of Europe. Recalls that Mr. Westrout received the German-based Palm Art Award for Excellence, as well as the New York-based Artier Award for bringing environmental conservation awareness through his contribution to the fine arts in 2020. Further recalls that Mr. Vestrat was honored in New York with an international top 60 master's award from Art Tour International in 2021.
congratulates Mr. Verstraat on the international recognition he has gained for himself and South African artists in general and wishes him well in his future endeavors. I so move. If there are no objections, I put the motion. No objections agreed to. The EFF. Okay, I'll take it, Chair, because it seems as if my member is having a problem. Please proceed. Okay. I rise on behalf of the Economic Freedom Fighters for the House to note that the Portfolio Committee went on oversight at Nodut Pole Station in Johannesburg. Further note that during our visit, we were told that firearms that were supposed to be in a safe where evidence is stored were found in a violent crime scene. And it was only then that it was discovered that these were stolen firearms that were removed from the evidence storage. This means that evidence is contaminated and criminals walk free at the end of the day because police officers are renting out firearms that are meant to be evidence to criminals to conduct cash in transit haste, hijackings, and murders. Acknowledge that this is not happening only at Norwood Police Station, but it is happening at many other police stations. Recognize that until we professionalize our police services and remove rotten elements at the top that have links with criminal organizations, South Africa will remain a very violent society. Calls on all communities to work with the police and IPT to report criminal in uniform to fight the scourge of crime. I so move, Chair. If there are no objections, I put the motion. Chair, the ANC objects. There's an objection from the ANC. The motion will be converted to a notice of motion. The ANC. Thank you, House Chair. The ANC moves without notice that the House notes the success of the 6th Salga Conference held at the Cape Town International Convention Center from the 2nd to the 4th of March 2022. Remembers that the conference is held every five years after local government election and is attended by senior decision makers in municipalities made up of mayors, speakers, municipal managers and chief financial officers from across the country's 275 municipalities. Recalls that the seventh commission were established in the conference, which looked into solutions around financial stability of municipalities, the professionalization of local government, economic growth and skills improvement, amongst others. Believes that deliberations and proposals raised at this commission will possibly shape the new strategic direction for local government from 2022 to 2027. Understands that the new leadership of Salga was elected to take the organization forward for the next five-year local government term and congratulates the newly appointed executive under the leadership of Salga President Councillor Peggy Stofile, Bayakuba Opegi Gordon Funungach, who is the Speaker of Machabeng Local Municipalities. I so move. If there are no objections, I put the motion. No objections agreed to. Good. Uh, Chairperson, we have no motion. Thank you. Thank you. NFP. Thank you, House Chairperson. <clears throat> On behalf of the National Freedom Party, I move that this House notes South Africa has increased import tariffs on sugar to protect local growers and millers, resulting in a crisis being created for local sugar converters. Also notes the negative impact of tariffs, tariff-free imports from Eswatini. Further notes that tariff-free imports from Eswatini have increased by almost 
1 billion rand since the tariffs were increased. Wherefore, we call upon this Honorable House to request the departments of finance, trade and industry and agriculture to engage with affected smaller manufacturers who are negatively impacted, resulting in job losses, and call on the relevant parties to revisit the South Africa Eswatini Agreement with the view of protecting local jobs in the growers and manufacturing sector. I so move. If there are no objections, I put the motion. No objections agreed to. The ANC. Thank you, Honorable House Chair. The African National Congress moved without notice that the House notes with deep sadness the recent passing on of media personality Nomakula Kuli Roberts on Tuesday, the 9th of February, 2022, at the age of 49. But I notes that her 30 years career spent the spectrum of, of occupations from political activists, writer, tabloid journalist and editor, gossip columnist, social commentator, TV presenter, radio DJ and professional celebrity, acknowledges that she was one of the first black women in the post-apartheid period to speak openly on topics such as sex and anxieties of modern relationships. Further acknowledges that she was best known for her appearance in television program, What Not To Wear, as a co-host, and lastly extend its heartfelt condolences to her two children, family, friends, and colleagues in the entertainment industry. Thank you, House Chair. If there are no objections, I put the motion. No objections agreed to. The AIC. Thank you, Chair. As the African Independent Congress, we move without notice that this House notes Bidvest SA's stellar performance amidst amounting global exigencies and stubborn pandemic which was evinced by its trading profit growth of 24,8%, accounting to a wholesale 5,1 billion rand growth, acknowledges the innovative leadership that has been amplified by the company's CEO, Mpumi Madiza, recognizes the potential of Bidvest in unlocking massive infrastructure developments in the automotive sector to, or to the ocean's economy and the freight value chain. Congratulate Mbumi Madisa for successfully leading a global giant under a period in which wealth has been gripped by protectionist policies and unbalanced trade practices. Implores the company's management to continue with its local and content self aside, set aside especially for emerging suppliers and small enterprises. I so move. If there are no objections, I put the motion. No objections agreed to. Go. Uh, thank you. You may pass, Honorable uh, Chair. Thank, thank you. you. The ANC. Thank you, Chairperson. The African National Congress moved without notice that the House notes that the South African Life Saving Squad showed its class to win this year's Life Saving Africa Championship held in Alexandra, Egypt.
further notes that South Africa dominated the water events and was the main catalyst in the Protea fishing. The championship was a combined total of 500 points with host Egypt finishing second on 468 points and Morocco claiming bronze with 410 points. Acknowledges that although Morocco and Egypt caused several headaches for South Africa in the beach sprint individual races, the Proteas were dominated in the beach sprint mix relay where they claimed gold and congratulates Team South Africa and wishes them well in future competitions. I so move. If there are no objections, I put the motion. No objections agreed to. The DA? Chairperson, I hereby move on behalf of the Democratic Alliance that this House notes that the Tiger Book Hospital has become the first public hospital in Africa to use the Da Vinci robot to perform robotics-assisted surgery. Further notes that the Da Vinci robot provides surgeons with an advanced set of instruments to use in performing robotic-assisted minimally invasive surgery and that one of its benefits is that it results in fewer post-operative complications. Acknowledge that the Western Cape government purchased two Da Vinci robots, the most technologically advanced surgical robot available in October 2021. The other one is at Groteski Hospital, and the main diseases the robot is focusing on are colorectal, liver, prostate, kidney, and bladder cancer, and women with severe endometriosis. Recognizes the contribution made by Dr. Tim Hogan and his team of nurses and other national experts from the Stellenbosch University to the field of laparoscopic surgery in South Africa. Congratulates the Tigerberg Hospital and Western Cape Government in the achievement of putting its core value of innovation and patient care into practice. I so move. If there are no objections, I put the motion. No objections agreed to. The PAC. Al Jama. Thank you, Honorable House Chair. On behalf of Al Jama, I, Fanny Vendricks, uh, notes the opportunity uh, announced by Saudi Arabia on behalf of the custodian of the two holy mosques in Mecca and Medina, His Excellency King Salman bin. Abdul Aziz Al Saud uh, for South Africans to perform the Hajj, the obligatory pilgrimage. Further notes that the Hajj period starts in July this year. Thanks to Saudi Arabian government for removing South Africa off the red list and allowing direct flights of South Africa and removing COVID restrictions. Note that there is a Hajj waiting list of 16 years for South African Muslims and request engagement with the Saudi government to increase the Hajj quota to 5,000 or more for South African pilgrims. Note that the increased quota will reach out to those women who have saved for this holy pilgrimage, the fifth pillar of Islam, through their small businesses that run from the kitchens for many years. Further notes to call on the South African government to offer consular support for the South African delegation visiting Saudi Arabia on the 15th of March to achieve successful negotiations on the increased Hajj visas, 200 Hajj visas is just not enough, while Saudis get unlimited visas on arrival. 
acknowledges that Saudis receive visas on arrival in South Africa and the South African government, for the Saudi government now to replicate on visas for South African visiting Saudi Arabia, including those going on Hajj. Further acknowledges that the Saudi government have similar arrangement on Hajj visas for Muslims traveling from European countries as negotiated by the parliamentarians, I so move. If there are no objections, I put the motion. No objections agreed to. The ANC. Thank you, Chairperson. The African National Congress moved without notice that the House notes that the, dona the donation of 900 specialized and custom-made custom wheelchairs were donated from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to the Western Cape Health Department Rehabilitation Center in, Lich in Little Girl on Monday, 28 February 2022. Further notes that the department is also set to receive 1,200 mobility devices, including crutches, quad canes, walker, walkers, and commodes, as well as eight wheelchair repair workshops with, with work benches, tools, and spare parts to the value of 5.4 million to be supplied over the next 18 months. Acknowledges that these, these assistive devices go a long way in terms of helping people with disabilities who have the greatest need and have the least access to these resources and appreciates and welcomes the donation by the church and offers its gratitude in helping to alleviate the plight of people with disabilities. I so move. If there are no objections, I put the motion. No objections agreed to. That concludes motions without notice. The last item on the order paper is notices of motion. Does any member of the ANC wish to give a notice of motion? Uh, ANC? Thank, uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, I hereby move on behalf of the ANC that in, the, in its next sitting, the House debates the need to act with speed and purpose to restore the state-owned enterprises as drivers of economic growth and development. I so move. The DA? Thank you, House Chair. For honourable members. House Chair, I hereby move on behalf of the Democratic Alliance that at its next sitting, this House debates the impact of localization on the South Afri on South Africa's economy. I so move. The EFF. Yeah, thank you, Chair. I rise on behalf of the EFJ, EFF that in the next sitting, uh, that the House must debate the shortage of ECD for people living with disabilities in each ward in the country and the shortage of trained practitioners for ECDs for people living with disabilities and the shortage of environmental health practitioners to deal with the hundred registered ECDs and thousands unregistered ECD centers and programs. I so move. The ANC. Thank you, House Chair. I hereby move on behalf of the ANC that in its next sitting, the House debates, acting with vigor, diligence, and determination in fighting corruption and other criminal, criminal activities in state-owned uh, enterprises and in the private sector. So I move. The IFP. 
the IFP, on behalf, on behalf of the IFP, I hope I give notice that I shall move at the next sitting of this house, that the house debate the effect of alcohol and substance abuse in our schools following the restriction of imposed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. I, I so move. The FF Plus. Thank you, House Chair. House Chair, I hereby give notice that at the next sitting of the House, I will move on behalf of the FF Plus that the House debates the unsustainable nature of the expanded public works programs and the wasteful expenditure in this regard. I so move. The ANC. Thank you, House Chair. I hereby move on behalf of the African National Congress that on its next sitting, the House debate confronting the resurgence of patriarchy and discriminatory attitudes towards the role of women in society. I so move. Thank you, Chair. The ACDP. Thank you, House Chair. I will move on behalf of the ACDP at the next sitting of the House that the House debates the rapidly rising fuel price and its impact on food, public transport, and other costs of living in the country and the need for the urgent review of all elements that make up the fuel price. I thank you. The UDM. The ATM. The DA. Thank you, House Chair. I hereby move on behalf of the Democratic Alliance that at its next sitting, this House debates the ongoing closure of post offices and its adverse impact on the payout of social grants in South Africa. I so move. The EFF. Thank you, Chair. I rise on behalf of the Economic Freedom Fighters to move that in the next sitting, the House must debate the removal of this term in our national anthem, a song that was sung when our people were being butchered and murdered by the apartheid government. I so move. The ANC. Uh, thank you, House Chair. I hereby move on behalf of the African National Congress that in its next sitting, the House debates the active participation and empowerment of women in transforming the economy. Thank you, House Chair. Okay. Good. Uh, no, thank you, House Chair. Thank you. thank you, NFP. Thank you, House Chairperson. On behalf of the National Freedom Party, I move that at its next sitting, this House deliberates on inadequate funding for women's sports in South Africa. I so move. The ANC. Thank you, House Chair. I hereby move on behalf of the ANC that in its next sitting, the House debates establishing more youth development centers to help the youth in remote areas to gain information about government services and employment opportunities. Thank you. Thank you. The AIC. You may move on. Cope. You may pass. Uh, the ANC. Thank you, House Chair. I hereby move on behalf of the ANC that in its next sitting, the House debate strengthening measures to ensure that children with disabilities are able to access all services in a barrier-free environment. I thank you. The DA. Thank you, Chairperson. I hereby move on behalf of the Democratic Alliance that 
at its next setting, the House debates the marketing of Robben Island Museum as an important World Heritage Site and popular tourist destination that should be visited by many more South Africans in the wake of the negative impact of COVID-19 pandemic on the international and domestic tourism and museums. I so move. Okay. The PAC, Al Jama. Uh, thank you, Honorable House Chair. I rise on behalf of Al Jama that this house debate the merits of a call for the release of Dr. Afia Siddiqui, incarcerated in America, in Texas, after being kidnapped in Islamabad in Pakistan, to demonstrate Parliament's concern for the plight of women in any part of the world, especially on International Women's Day. Dr. Siddiqui is already in solitary confinement for 25 years. I so move for a release Afia Siddiqui campaign. The ANC. Okay. I hereby move on behalf of the African National Congress that in its next sitting, the House debates redressing measures in the workplace by focusing on development, access to training, and career mobility. So I move. Thank you. Honorable members, that concludes notices of motion and the business for the day. The House is adjourned. Oh Recording stopped. <laughs>